This is what the greatest of days for the Miami Hurricanes sounded like. between the Canes and the Knolls. It's Miami and Florida State. Blitz. Screen pass set up beautifully to DJ Dallas. He's got blockers out in front. Spins free of a tackler at the 40. DJ Dallas down the sideline. And there's the first big chunk play of the game. Play action. Williams, well protected. He's going to take a shot for Jeff Thomas. Nowhere to go. Shot Quarterman. Bennett Baker's right up the middle on a dive. I don't think he got there. The blitz picked up. Long throw. Harley. Along the sideline. He's got it. Another deep shot for Jaron Williams. DJ Dallas. At the goal line. He's in for a Miami touchdown. Transpired since we last met here eight days ago on Kane Sport Live. The Canes went up to Florida State and found their best matchup of the season, overpowering the Knowles offensive line, rendering their offensive attack totally helpless, and coasting to a 27-10 victory that gave the Canes nation something to get excited about in a 2019 season that appeared kind of lost. Even though the Florida State defense allowed just 353 yards last Saturday to Miami, 95 of them on a pair of long touchdown pass plays, FSU coach Willie Taggart was fired after the game because of how embarrassing the offensive effort was and the Knowles continued losing under him. That has created a recruiting reset in the state of Florida, with several FSU commits and targets back in play for the Canes and everybody else. 
Lastly, Miami can become bowl eligible with a victory over a sneaky, tough Louisville team this Saturday at Hard Rock Stadium. And oh, by the way, the top linebacker in the country, Justin Flo from California, top prep linebacker in the country, he's coming to Miami this weekend for an official visit. So if you have tickets, you might want to get yourself out to Hard Rock so that there's not, you know, 30,000 fans out there sitting in the stands for this very, very big official visit for the Hurricanes. But anyway, you slice and dice it up. Things are a bit different than they were a week ago when we were here. And I was relaying your very tough questions to Miami Athletic Director Blake James. And so much about Miami football was being questioned along with them. So hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com. And I welcome you once again to Canesport Live, presented once again this year by Sicilian Oven Restaurants with six locations throughout the South Florida area. At Sicilian Oven, you'll not only love the taste, you will taste the love. As always, this is your show. It'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number, 563-999-3633. That's 563-999-3633. Over 100 open phone lines, as always. Plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. If you're riding around, you don't have access to a computer, you can listen on your mobile phone in the car. And those that want to participate in the show are asked to hit the number one on their keypad. That puts you in the queue and lets us know you want to come on the show. We bring you on the show in the order that you land in the queue. Yep. Greg is first again. I don't know how he does this, but man, he, gets, he somehow gets in that number one spot every single week. Well, we once again ask the subscribers at canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. And uh, we will address those during the course of the show, as usual. So, yeah, it, it's kind of amazing what beating Florida State can do just for the overall state of well-being in the Canes Nation. There certainly was not the same level of euphoria over winning at Pittsburgh the week before, I'll tell you that. The Canes sit here at 5-4 and four tonight, and if they can beat Louisville on Saturday, I think we would see their bowl possibilities maybe elevate a little bit. At the same time, there has to be a little bit of apprehension tonight over just whom Florida State is going to hire to replace Willie Taggart. It's going to have a major impact on Miami, on and off the field for seasons to come. Last week, we talked about the concept of Urban Meyer a little bit. I just don't see that happening up in Tallahassee. I really don't. Um, I know they're all in right now on trying to get Bob Stoops to take the job. Uh, apparently talks are ongoing there. Stoops has publicly said no, but you can't put a lot of stock in that, in these kind of things. Uh, I would say that if Florida State can land Stoops, that would give them the most accomplished coach in the state of Florida, without question. I mean, he's certainly more accomplished than Manny Diaz, and he's more accomplished than Dan Mullen up in Florida. Uh, so I could see why Florida State would be all in on trying to land Bob Stoops. If you're gonna if you're gonna spend seventeen million dollars to buy out your coach, you better make a splash higher. And, and Bob Stoops would, would qualify for that. Just my opinion. So 
there's a lot of work to be done, and Manny Diaz and his staff still have to prove um, that they can hang on this stage, both on the field and in recruiting, and that performances like the one we saw up at Florida State against a team that, let's be honest, is not great, um, but that that could become a weekly standard, that that level of focus, execution, solid game planning can become a mainstay week to week. And uh, it better be in place this weekend, I'll tell you that, because uh, Louisville, with first-year head coach Scott Satterfield, is good enough to beat you with a quality coaching staff capable of putting together a game plan to make it happen. Miami will need to play this Saturday the way it played at Florida State. The, uh, the Cardinals, they're 5-3 and three right now. They have decent personnel on offense, which is not surprising since Bobby Petrino was the last coach. Their offense has actually been more productive this season than the Miami offense. Um, they have two very solid quarterbacks. Uh, Mikhail Cunningham, who I think is going to start, is very mobile. He's got a better quarterback rating than Jaron or Nicosi, and he can create a lot of problems. They love to pound the football with a quality running back, JV and Haskins. Miami had problems against the run in the Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech games. This Louisville offense scored 62 points on the road against Wake Forest, which is a ranked team. Okay, on the road, 62 points. Now, overall, though, they're, they're not a great football team. Their defense is probably as bad as their offense is good with numbers that are near the bottom of the ACC across the board. In the game at Wake Forest that I just talked about where they scored 62 points, Wake Forest scored 60. Uh, so would not be surprised to see a little bit of a shootout on Saturday. I mean, I do think that this Louisville offense will present some problems for the Miami D. But conversely, if, if the Miami O is, is on its game even just a little, the Canes are going to be able to score points against the Cardinals as well. So really could be one. I mean, I know we've had the, um, some exciting moments in Hard Rock this year. Not all of them great. But this really could be one of the more exciting uh, games of the season. Uh, so I encourage everybody, if you've got tickets, use them. Get on out there. Enjoy the last home game of the year. Put on a good show for Justin Flo and um, hope the Hurricanes can once again rise to the occasion and um, move even closer to respectability than they have winning the last two games on the road. So that sets the table for our conversation tonight. And now it's time to get to your phone calls. Again, the number 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out to the 845, where our main man, Greg, is once again waiting. Greg, welcome back to Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this week? Good, Gary. How are you? Doing I, good. You must be I a guess, little happier. I, I'm, you know, I'm happy, but I, I got to ask you something. How Bubba Bolden breaks his ankle, and all they're worried about is putting the turnover chain on his head. You gotta be kidding. I don't know, man. I, I mean, I don't know. If they, I don't think they real. Number one, I don't think they realized how hurt he was. Oh, that, that, that was terrible. That kid's real. He's a player. And it's too bad we're only gonna see him what, for a few games this year. 
Anyway, um, uh, the offensive line, look, I mean, Florida State's got a lot of five stars on that defense. So your idea about better recruiting, it's not working out too well up there in Tallahassee. You need coaching. They got well, I mean, it, it's certainly a statement that recruiting alone doesn't do it. I mean, you're right about that. Well, where, where are we get? What, what are we going to do to improve the recruiting? I, I, I'm, I'm told there's going to be a bunch of people there this week for the game. Is that true? Yeah, I, I think, I, I think so. I, yeah, I do. I, I do think that they'll have probably the best recruiting attendance they've had all season. And what do you think about the uh, attendance? You think there'll be more than 30,000 there this week? I'm guessing 45. 45? That would be amazing if that's true. I mean, it's a good game, Greg. I mean, if anybody knows anything about football, they understand this is a good game. I mean, this is this is uh, this Louisville offense is really good. I've been watching a lot of tape on them today. I'm very impressed. Without to me, I don't think there's any question they're the best offensive team we're, we're playing this year. Okay, and they, like you said, they gave up 60 points on against. Yeah, Lake their defense Ford, is horrendous. So. I mean, horrendous on defense. <laughs> I mean, they, they they don't even try to rush the passer most of the time. I mean, they, they they're not very good on defense. Okay, so um, I, I'll leave you with this. You made a comment yesterday, two days ago that the basketball team looked really good in practice. What the hell happened last night? That's embarrassing. I mean, Chris Likes has been hurt, you know, just getting back. Clearly didn't have any rhythm. Um, totally outclassed inside without question. I mean, that Louisville team is really good. Greg, I mean, they're they're top five for a reason. I I think that they are, you know, mark mark them down for your brackets in March. I mean, they 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 were really good. You had, you had three freshmen playing for the first time. I mean, that was a factor, and they just they just were very haphazard. But give them credit. I mean, they 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 played till the very end, made the final score somewhat respectable. I mean. They they narrowed the gap seventeen points in the last ten minutes of the game. So, I mean, it's not all negative, but I mean, Louisville was just a much better team. Okay, I lo- I lo- I really like Coach Larinaga, but does he have any other offense in the high pick and roll? Can we try <laughs> something else? I mean, really, it's a little stagnant at this point. How many years are we going to run the same offense? Well, the problem is he may not have the rollers that he's had in the past. You know? That's a good reason to... to yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't real impressed with uh, Wardenburg uh, rolling last night, I'll tell you that. Right. Okay, one last thing. I hope when everything 305 gets on here, he eats a little crow for his prediction that we were, Miami was going to get blown out by FSU. I'll end on that note. Thank you. All right, well, I don't see him on yet, but uh, my guess is he'll make an appearance before the evening is out, and uh, 
We'll see if he wants to eat some crow. All right, Greg, thanks as, get, as always for getting us uh, started. 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit the one on your keypad. If you'd like to come on the show, let's go out to the 305. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Good, Greg. How are you? Uh, it's Gary, but I'm doing great. Who's this, Adam? Gary, oh, my God. Sorry. You were just talking to Greg. That's why. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all right. How you doing this week, Adam? Yeah. What you got for us? Good. Good. Hopefully the basketball, the football team looks better against Louisville than the basketball team did. <laughs> I was watching. God. I mean, the freshmen, in, at least in the first half, looked okay. But Louisville just ran roughshod over us after the first, like, 10 minutes. I mean, yep, didn't they, they did. set the lead out to 38? Um, actually, I had a question. Um, with the commitment of that kid from D.C., do you see him starting from day one next year with Cross coming off the bench? Or do you see both of them being potential starters next year? I mean, year? he's going to be the best player in the program the minute he steps foot on campus. So I don't see how he doesn't start. Really, he's that good. He's as good as like Lonnie oh, Walker. Oh, this was kid. And... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely in the same class as, as Lonnie Walker and Bruce Brown, without a doubt. Oh, wow. And I'm going to tell you something else. This Matt Cross kid that's also in the recruiting class for basketball yeah. is also a great, great player. Uh, he, he could start year one, too. Um, so recruiting's going very well for basketball. Okay. And obviously, Larinaga always can can always bring in a transfer too. So, or he yep. has in the past. So that's good. Um, I think they got two, it, at least two, if not three, scholarships in their back pocket still. So. Oh, okay. Perfect. Um, also, a couple other things. A, I did like how I um I, I wanted to. I was watching the game obviously on TV. But on the fumble, um, has Jaron Williams talked about getting the ball out quicker? Because on the fumble in the second quarter, it looked like he had Osborne on a quick out, and then he just held the ball too long, and by the time he was ready to throw, he got hit, and uh, Nazaldine recovered. Did Jaron say anything about the fumble? Uh, no, the but I mean, the thing I would say is, Look, he, you know, he's not a finished product yet by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, he's no. uh, he's still making mistakes at times and leaving plays out on the field, and uh, that's to be expected yeah. from a guy playing for the first time. But you look at the whole body of work, uh, 21 of 37, 313 yards passing uh, on oh, the no, road at Florida, was... at Florida State. You know, that it, it, oh, it was pretty good. No, this was by far, I think, his most complete game even better than when he played up at North Carolina, I thought by far. I mean, obviously there were a couple of plays I'd like to have back, like the one where he scrambled and came up a yard short, where I thought he had Mallory open in the flat, where it could have been a first down instead of fourth and one, and then Price missed the field goal. So there yeah, you're not getting it every single play. You're not, you're not yeah. getting it every single play yet, no doubt. No, but he, again, he's going to be in the program for what, two years? Three years if he stays. Yeah, uh, yeah. This so is not a this so is not a go to the NFL after his junior year. I mean, Jaron's gonna it's gonna take all Jaron can muster to hold off the quarterbacks that Enos will recruit if Enos stays here. Uh, I mean, okay. Van Dyke um, coming in is gonna give him give him plenty of competition. Have you, know, you the, seen Van Dyke on film? Is he? I have. 
I've seen him on film and in person. So he's he's not going to be like a Kyle. You don't think he could be like a Kyle Wright, like great in height? Well, we don't know. We have no idea. We don't know what he's what what he's going to do once once he gets here. But uh, in terms of just a raw prospect throwing the football and having a a good presence in the pocket with with size, and he's a bigger type kid. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's going to come in and compete from day one. I don't know that he'll start from day one, but I wouldn't just pencil Jaron Williams in for the next three years either. Okay. Um, I was listening to your a couple other things. One, I was listening to your show last week, and you had brought up the possibility of Lingard transferring. I thought Manny had talked to him and that he wasn't going to transfer after this year. We don't think he is. Tra- I didn't say he was going to transfer. Okay. We, we, it it, it might have come up in discussion, but uh, okay. I, I think that you know, that he's given an indication that that he's on board with the whole thing. But, you know, let's be honest. I mean, other schools are going to try to change that. And, yeah. you know, we don't know what he, what he's going to do. We don't know, you know, if, if Florida comes in and says, hey, we want you, well, you know, what would happen there? Um, so I, I wouldn't say anything with him from a definitive standpoint. I mean, what if DJ Dallas decides okay. to come back? Now he's starting out next year to the number three running back. So, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think anything is guaranteed. Okay. Um, and a couple other questions. One, are you surprised, like Rousseau, the last couple of weeks has been playing like a man among boys? Are you surprised by his, like, meteoric rise? I am not. Uh, I saw it from the very beginning with him. Uh once I saw the way he came back for practice in August and, and how he had been working on his body in the off season. And I mean, he, you could see like, you know, he's a grown man now. And okay. I, the thing that surprised me the most about him was that it, it was that he was being used on a limited basis. The first few games of the season. I mean, there were some games he only had 20 snaps. There might've been one where he had even less than that. I mean, I, I never understood that. I mean, to me, Greg Rousseau is far and away, and it's not even a, there's not even a close second, the most elite player on the defense. And the only mm-hmm. even remotely close second to me on the entire football team is Brevin Jordan, and he's nowhere near as elite as Greg Rousseau is. Okay. And I don't understand how this guy wasn't playing at least three-quarters of the snaps from day one. To me, it's one of the mistakes that the coaches made this year. Okay. Maybe oh, the biggest, Adam. Maybe the biggest. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. And a couple other things. One, um, I was reading on Mind of Mike after Willie Taggart got fired, and um, Mike Farrell mentioned that if Miami season unfortunately goes south this year and next year, Manny Diaz could be two and out. After talking with Blake James, and again, this is all the hypothetical, and I actually got this off of Mike Farrell, what, could you see like Blake James making a move like that? And again, no idea. You know, I, I, I listen. I, I don't want to sit here. I'm not going to sit here and predict uh, gloom and doom okay. for Manny. I mean, he's, they've won oh, two no. games in a row. They, they they're playing better yeah. football. Uh, I'm not well, going to go the other way is, either. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going the other way either, Adam. I'm not going to start predicting okay. you know championships. But but you know, I I think that the last two weeks that Manny Diaz has earned 
a, a either at least a a, 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 a a caution signal amongst everybody, yeah. like you know, slow down, don't be, don't rush to judgment. Uh, I mean, I think he's earned at least that. I, I don't, I don't think he, you know, necessarily warrants any great pronouncements that Miami is going to be, you know, competing with Clemson anytime in the near future for the ACC championship. But, but, you know, I, I, I do think he has earned a, a, you know, a yellow, a yellow sign amongst everybody um, because they've played better and, and they're starting to show a little bit of improvement and, they could have won some of those earlier games that they didn't do. So, yeah. I, I mean, before before the year, I personally expected this to be a nine-win season. I really think that th- that's the true level of this team. Um, they'll have to prove it Saturday. They, they you know they're going to have to put a good football game together Saturday and beat Louisville. But I really felt like this was about a nine-win level team coming into the year. And um, you know, if they can run the table here and finish eight and four, when you factor in, and, you know, some of the poor luck, they probably were would be uh, classified at about that level. So we'll see. But this is a tough out on Saturday. There's no doubt about it. Oh no, definitely. And a couple more questions. One um, along that lines, when you said with Manny, it looks like he's having fun as well. Like his little fist bump with Jaron after his beautiful pass to Mike Harley. See, like that's. Um, good, Jaron. Um, and a couple other things with recruiting. Um, are we in on like Jalen Knighton and Macaulay Wideman, as well as some of the other Florida State commitments? They're, or... they're definitely in the conversation with Knighton for sure. Uh, uh, okay. You know, but that kid's got a lot of options and has never really seemed to be in the Miami camp. Obviously, being that he committed to Florida State, so they'll keep fighting for him, but. I wouldn't count on anything there. I mean, it's kind of obvious that he is looking to leave and he does have some pretty decent options out there. Um, The other situations with Florida state recruits, I think are a little fluid right now. I I think realistically, a lot of those kids are going to wait and see who they hire. If you think back to when Miami has been in similar situations, uh, the recruiting classes typically held together pretty well once the new coach was hired. So, you know, I'm not sure that all those kids were going to Florida State solely because of Willie Taggart. Okay. You know, maybe maybe a lot of them just wanted to go to Florida State. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. It's not like okay. Miami has a lot of scholarships. So you might see them pluck one or two of those kids. But okay. I don't see it being anything wholesale. Okay. Well, thanks for taking my call, Gary. Uh, have a great rest of the show. Adam, always a pleasure. Thanks for being part of it. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. I mean, I really feel that way about Manny. Uh, you know, I mean, everyone was pretty down on him a few weeks ago, but they've they've won two in a row on the road. They pulled off the, the big victory against the rival at Florida State. And I'm not going to sit here and say everybody better hit a reset button at this point. I mean, I understand that that was not a very good Florida State team, but uh, people would have said the same thing about Miami a couple weeks ago. That's not a very good Miami team. So let's give credit where credit's due. And they have played better the last couple weeks. And um, so maybe, you know, those that are down on Manny Diaz, you know, maybe just hit the pause button a little bit and give it some more time and, and, and see where 
things go. Let's go out to the 973. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Gary. 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 What's up, Ross? How you doing this week, man? Have, have you hit the What's pause button? On? Have you hit your pause couple button? A couple of things. Um, I don't I don't deal with that. I don't deal with the buttons. I just deal with facts and 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 um, try to keep the emotion out of you know, what I don't what I'm not going to do is take the foot off the gas and off their neck about doing the right things. Because here's the thing, I love the victory. You know how I feel about Florida State. Hate Florida State. I don't want nothing good ever to happen to them. If they lose twice in the same day, it's happened for me. You know, I, I, I not, nothing in Florida State I like, nothing. But here's the thing, guys. As a matter of fact, let, let me just put this out there so everybody knows this. When was the last time we got a player from Deerfield Beach anyway? We're not getting that kid tonight. Maybe I'll come back up here and eat crow, but I doubt it. You tell him. You're Gary, getting his teammate. You're, rec- you're getting Xavier he, Restrepo. He's from that same here's school. Here's the thing. He, but he, he's one of those kids who just happened to go there so he could get the playing time. He wasn't, a, he wasn't one of their core kids. You know what I'm talking about, Gary. Let's think about this. He wasn't a, I'm talking <laughs> about a core kid from there. All right, but he but they did get him from that school. No, he transferred into that school this year, did he not? I understand. Yes. Okay, so we both understand what's going so on. What, so, okay. so what you're saying, just to give you the benefit of the doubt here, you're saying by a core kid, you're talking about a core kid from the Deerfield a Beach football community, from the foot from that football community, from that football community in Deerfield Beach. Absolutely. All right, so you know I'm the with coach you. Is never a Miami fan. Okay, I'm, I'm with. You. All right, go now. ahead. Here's my thing about not taking the foot off their neck, man. All right, because now I'm going to have you shout at me again. We all got on here and started screaming after that Florida game. We got on here again, and we started screaming again after the second game. And you told us to chill out, stop it, calm down. Patchman is worth it. No, wait. You You said Patchman is worth it. You say he's worth that playing time. He's he's holding the edge. He's doing, he, I mean, Patchen to me is a rotation guy. But Gary, you didn't say that at the beginning of the year. You didn't. I you absolutely he, did. Hey, he looked, oh, Gary, I could go back to the taste now. Ross, you have, he, Ross you listen, have listen. Here's mind. where you get in trouble. You and I get in trouble. Like you make stuff up. Okay. If you I said to me, if I I got a timeout, timeout, timeout. If you said to me in August, Gary, who are the rank the defensive ends on this team? Okay, I would have gone one Russo. Two Garvin, three Hill, four Patchen, without question. Now the only the only change I would make right now is I would probably put Hill ahead of Garvin because Garvin's not having a great year, and Hill, believe it or not, has done well enough to where he now is projected to be the first person off this football team drafted in April. But that's because Russo's not yeah. eligible yet. Gary, <laughs> I'm Gary. Well, we do this all the time, and I'm. If, you make you, you know you we just, got I don't know, business. man. You must like hear stuff in your not, sleep or something. No, no. You do this Gary, every week. That. You come up with Gary, one thing that. every single no. week that you say that I said that I didn't say. Gary, I every guarantee week. we're going to have other callers. I guarantee we're going to have other callers that say he's right. Ross, yeah. Is good right. luck on good. Good luck on that. Getting somebody to say they heard Gary say that that Scott Patchen <laughs> is the best defensive end on the team. Give I didn't say nothing about him being the best. Ross, what else you got? Good luck. We'll wait. I'll okay. we'll wait. We'll wait all the Gary. You didn't say he was the best. You said he deserved to start, and he he deserved to play. I did not say he deserved to start. That's not my decision. I I recognize what he does well. 
He does do a good job setting the edge. He's a hardworking kid, the kind of kid the coaches love, which I'm sure is why he carried that favor with the defensive coaches and got, was getting the, the amount of playing time he was getting. He but for him, started, to get 50 snaps, for him to get 50 snaps, Ross, and for, for Russo to get 20 is the most absurd thing I've ever seen. And that's why and I just sh- told Adam I just told Adam that I thought that that might have been the biggest mistake of the season. And that's why we got to be very careful with the staff and the stuff that they're doing moving forward. I, I'm glad with the victory. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to beat them Tallahassee from over there. We're supposed to do that, okay? We're supposed to do that. And I love the fact that we put some misery on, on Big Suit Willie. They're tired is behind. I wish they would have kept him for another nine years. That's what I wanted, really. But anyway, let's move on, all right? All right, now look. Let's let's throw some great shout-outs to some good playing time from these guys. These guys played well. Dallas, plugging the holes, plugging the blitz. It's not being talked about too much, Gary, but he did an excellent job. He did He's consistently good for the entire blitz. season. But he, he he did an excellent job of picking up those blitz. Yep. On the bomb to um to Envy, to what's his name? Not to uh to 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 uh, Wiggins. Um, Zion did a great job of just holding his block, moving his feet. I watched it about five times. I wanted to make sure I was looking at the right things. And he did an excellent job of holding up his block. Best, on that best offensive line, pass blocking day of the season by far. Okay. Defense. Nasty Nesta. He's chugging along. He's coming along. We start I got to see more. I know we do. We all got it. We got to see more from the coaches. That offensive line, uh, that offensive line of Florida matter. State. You do what you have to do, but you have to. Uh, do yeah, what I you understand, Ross. They they were horrendous. Okay, they they were barely Division One in my opinion. They, they, that but looked Gary, like a high school do, offensive line. Well, all guy, all you ask for is when a guy's supposed to dominate something, he dominates it, and that's well, he, he did absolutely. But I'm just saying, I'm not okay. ready to anoint on that one. But I think I got to see. Things, I got to see more. But, but I like I like what I'm confident. seeing from Nesta Ross. I like what I'm seeing. I mean, he's, he's you know what I like as much as anything. I like that he's maturing a little bit. Like he, he, he you could see he's growing up a little bit. Exactly. That's what I'm trying. to I get, mean, probably the biggest prick on the football team. You know, I mean that kid. Well, is, that's you know what. So I mean, then you gotta be you gotta be to play to play that position. You gotta yeah, have that. We in gotta you. have no a doubt. couple of those guys. I miss those guys. Yeah. We had a couple of those guys. We always gotta have a couple of those guys. That's gonna start mess and, and, and create chaos a little bit. As long as this D doesn't cost the team any any penalty. And he I hasn't. don't mind him being a little feisty. Yes, yeah, so okay. he has another person. And he's, another, and he's but he's growing guy. up. He's he's definitely growing up, which is good. Yeah, and it's I love the fact that I love the fact that he's um he's doing his thing. Here's some here's a kid that no one's talk about, and I probably was one of the guys that was down on him too. We sent a corner blitz by Blades. It was a it was a good call. Blades should have probably put his hand up on that on that pass. The the pass went to the to the wide receiver, and that wide receiver caught the ball and never moved because number twenty knows came and smacked him and kept him right there. Most improved player on the team. Most improved player on the team. Might and be I was, yeah. I, like Might anybody be. else, I was down. I was down on him. But you know what? He may have a shot one day at like the XFL or the NFL at, at, on, 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 on like what you call it, special teams, a role yeah, player on special teams. I, I don't know, but he he probably I, I'd have to really think it through hard to 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 you know. But he might be the most improved player on the team. 
And he'll probably pick up that award at the end of the year. I mean, who would you okay. say is more improved now that I'm thinking about it? I mean, yeah, I'm not right going to say. Like, yeah, I mean, the the running backs we expected to be good. Um, I don't think there's it, any re- receiver that's standing out to that point. I mean, tight ends. The, 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 I mean, Russo, but I expected Russo to be great. Yeah, I mean, we expected a bunch of guys to be great, and we expected Finley to be solid. So the fact that he, this kid is playing well, he's doing his thing, um, it is what it is. Well, um, Greg is not going to like this one, Gary. He's not going to like this one, but here's the thing. my When, when Bowman got hurt, I still wanted him to take that jersey off of him, put him in the tent, hold up his jersey, and put that chain next to it. Greg ain't going to like that. <laughs> I wanted them to celebrate him anyway. Hey, listen, man, listen. I'm not, can't take the foot off the coach's neck. We had a week of um, doing well, but we got to come. This is consistently from the from the players. You have to have consistency from the players, too. I didn't like everything that Enos did. I didn't like a couple of things he did. We was, I think we was on our 13th line, line, our guard line, and he was running a pass play, and all we needed to do was run some clock there. I didn't like some of the play calls. I really didn't. Well, I mean, like look, I said, here, here's a couple things I'm going to throw at you on that. Okay, and it's going to kind mm-hmm. of support. They had 353 yards of offense, even with the two deep balls. So that's an okay, that's an okay day. But the you know the, the thing that I'm seeing is they're not getting enough plays in a game. I mean they 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 still yeah. only had six sixty one sixty one plays in that game this week. I mean you got teams run you know that are habitually running eighty plays a game. They only ran fifty nine against Pitt. Pitt ran seventy four. I mean, they're just not – they're not getting enough plays. I mean, even Florida State and had 60, you know why? 69 you know plays why? the other day. You why? know why, Gary? And he's going to get a good lesson this week of watching that other team doing it. But I still don't think they're going to score a lot on us, Gary. I think we got better defense than anybody else they're going, they've been facing this year. But I mean, he's going to get a lesson on this. We have to get away from just going into that huddle and slowing everything down. Every time you talk, look around, we're going into the huddle. And and if I'm not mistaken, we had a couple of um, delay of games, right, on on plays that we didn't need to yeah. have delay of games on. And I'll tell you something else. The third down conversions continue to be atrocious. I mean, 3 of 15 in a, in a game that you win by a few touchdowns, That you know, 3 of 15. Gary, explain I mean, this to me, Gary. That's horrendous. Explain this to me. We have Rufus George, right? We have big tight ends. And you don't go heavy package there and just run these guys over. You don't go heavy package on that that third and one, or the fourth and one, I should say. You don't go fourth and on that. You you kick the field goal. You already know he's not going to make the the field goal. You already in you already in his head, and you don't go big package and run these guys over. And I'll be the first to admit that I didn't expect us to do that to that defensive line because I thought that defensive line was stout. But they didn't. He wasn't stout Saturday at all. So I eat that crow, and I happily eat that crow. But to wrap it all up, man, listen. I do want Mister Everything to come on. I do want him to see what he's going to say about the blowout that he predicted. And um, he, I think he might miss the show this week. I think he might miss the show. One last thing, Gary. I'm not a big fan of the basketball team, but I do. I do this basketball thing heavy, like really, really big time for big time kids. And people need to relax. They're getting a big time recruit. And if I'm not mistaken, you can a bunch of big-time recruits. And if I'm not mistaken, the kid that transferred from Cincinnati sat out last night, right? Did he play? Uh, no, he can't play this year. He he exactly. he looks really, so, really imposing, though. He should be a monster yeah, next so, year. 
So you're going to be. What I'm trying to say is, it's going to be okay down the road. That's what's going to happen. It's going to be oh, okay next down year. The road. Uh, Ross, they could, they if they could, if they could get one more like really good transfer or something. They, I mean, they're going to be a top ten team next year. Yeah, and people need to think they would never get in that. They would never get in that that guard that went to Illinois. It's a New York con- connection and a Puerto Rican connection. There's an assistant coach. I used to coach at South Florida head coach. He's now an assistant coach at Illinois. You was never getting that kid, Cabello. You was never getting that kid. Mm-hmm. So um, put that put that to the side. You was never getting that kid. So that's how it All works, right. man. Listen, man, listen. We're not going to take our foot off their necks. They need to make better calls. They need to be consistent coaching and, and win this game. They're not scoring 60 on this guy. I guarantee you that. Okay. Oh no way. They no, they won't. Okay, they, they won't score sixty. But I'll I'll tell you. I think I think that we're gonna have to get into the thirties to win this game. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll score more than them. Put it like that. And listen, we're not getting the kid from Deerfield. I don't feel that we don't do well at Deerfield. We just need to get everybody else that we need to get, and that's it, man. All right. So yeah. Keep me on hold, Mister Everything. Get on here, man. I want to hear you. Yeah, I don't see him yeah. yet. I, I, I don't know where he is. He's not in the queue yet. So I want to see if I he shows up later. Uki. I want to hear from Uki and all the rest of the guys. I want to hear from the Alabama guy. I'm, I'm, I'm going home, man. It's an exciting right, victory, and a lot of guys out there played well. All right. Thank, thanks, as always, for being part of the show. But get your dang facts straight, man. Don't tell me I said the Patchen should be starting over Russo and, and Hill and, and Garvin. Come on, man. I never said that. All right. 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go now to the 865. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hey, Gary. It's James from Tennessee. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. How you doing? Oh, doing great, man. Anytime we can beat Florida State, it is Music to my ears. And you want to know something? I want to talk about something that you uh, you said uh, years ago on the show and so forth. You know, that Miami at the time, you know, whether it's a good Florida State team or a bad Florida State team, I'll take a win because they sure didn't apologize for kicking our asses when we were sucking under Golden and other nope. past regimes. Am I wrong? Seven, I mean, seven, wrong. No, they beat us seven straight times, right? Seven straight. <laughs> And, it's, and with the exception of the 2013 one, I mean, it was a more painful way to lose every time. I mean, we were, like, right there, blown leads. Any chance, anything you could think could go wrong in that fourth quarter, it did. And, you know, it resulted us in being that far behind in the eight ball to win the damn Coastal. And, and we, yeah. we, it, it sucked. It really did. And so, fourth well, let me ask you I'll something. take it. I'll take it. Yeah. Let me ask you something, though. Like, t- tell me the truth. Like, sitting there watching that game the other day and, and watching how – just absolutely putrid <laughs> that they looked at times and, and that sort of thing. Didn't it kind of like remind you of, of what we've gone through here over the last, Gary, it was like, it was, you know, it 15 was years or so. It, it, it was it like, was it was like, it was almost like looking at it in, in the mirror, wasn't it? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's absolutely. Florida State's and, time now. <laughs> it's yeah, their time. I mean, and, yeah. And, and you know, I, I don't, I don't want to go into like, like them so much. It's just like, did they expect to win that game, Gary? I mean, you, you of course talk with the media people from them, and I mean, did, did they feel pretty confident that they were going to win that game, and they just got completely blindsided that that led to the firing of Taggart, or what? What do you think? I mean, I think they felt like it was like every other damn game in the ACC that it's a, it's a coin flip, you know, and and, and yeah. if you th- if you think about it, all right, so we won by seventeen. If you take those two deep balls. 
out of the equation, it's a three-point game. I mean, you know, that's yeah. how close these games are. I mean, we only, like I just said, we we were three of what did I say, three of fifteen on third down, three three mm-hmm. three of fifteen on third down. We only had three hundred and 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 fifty-three yards of offense with with what ninety yards and defaults. So, like, yeah. you take those two plays out of the out of the equation. And that's a that's a whole different ball game, and that's even with oh, yeah. them having an offensive line that couldn't block us for like their lives. I mean, that was the worst. That might have been the worst offensive line that we've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, say, I mean, it was. Did you say that they were worse than our offensive line? I mean, everybody's been saying that our offensive line's the worst one. I think theirs was worse than ours. At least ours could. Oh, there is no doubt about it. Right? I mean, yeah. we, we could look at the way yeah. the offensive line showed up for the Florida game, but at least, it, but in the Florida game, you 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 were. You know, well, I mean, look, I was just going to say you're going against a couple elite defensive ends, but somebody would argue that our ends are pretty elite, too. So um, maybe it was comparable to what happened with us in the Florida game, but like they couldn't block anybody. They couldn't block the ends. They couldn't block the tackles. I mean, I couldn't believe how horrendous their offensive line was. Those guys probably should be ashamed. And I'm not going to lie, Gary, I didn't know much about Florida State. Like, I mean, I knew they had Cam Akers, and, and, and I knew that they had black minute quarterback, and I was shocked that they started the other guy. But um, but the thing was, was I kept hearing, like, you know, that about this Terry guy at wide receiver, and Bandy shut him down, number one, so i got to give props there. But also, that quarterback didn't have any time whatsoever, so that's props to the defensive line, too, for getting after it. You know, they didn't at least uh, not, not, like, get pushed back by this horrendous offensive line. They saw blood in the water. They attacked it, and I liked it, Gary. I really did. And I don't know what the situ- I don't know what staff shakeups might be done at this point in the off season. I know that we all have talked about that there needs to be some some people evaluated and so forth. But at the same time, I thought that was the best the defensive line looked all year. You know, probably against the worst offensive line we faced all year. But credits were credits due. Russo looked great. Hill looked great. And and honestly, uh, this was the John Ford that I was wanting to see all season long. That everybody was talking about in spring practice that was was doing pretty good and so forth. You know, but it goes back to that offensive line, like you mentioned. So I guess we'll see this week of how they do against. Yeah, this this offensive line. is considerably better than Florida State's. So, yeah, let's yeah. see it this week. Well, my question is this. How did this Louisville – and, I mean, I know you can't go apples to apples with teams, but how did this Louisville team lose to Florida State a few weeks ago? That's what I'm trying to figure out because they're better. I've watched them play, and they, with the exception of the Clemson game, they've been in every contest that they've faced, they've played in. It, it, it's, so, all, it's, yeah. all, it's all ma- – it's matchups, man. It's just matchups. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's like – you know, Louisville's defense is not is just not very good. I mean, I'm watching their defensive line, and it's the worst that we've seen this year, without question. So, you know, you're putting a bad defensive line against a bad offensive line, and and that's why Florida State was able to to play well enough to win the game. I mean, we took they had no chance against us because they couldn't block our defensive line. But they didn't have that problem against Louisville. So th- that's what th- I think gets lost a little bit in all this. It's, it's about matchups. It's, it's like, yeah. you know, why was Georgia Tech able to control our defense better than Florida State? Well, they had a way better offensive line. If, if you took yeah. Georgia Tech's offensive line and put it on Florida State, you'd have a whole different team. It would be a whole different game. Now suddenly Cam Akers yeah. could look like the best running back in the country because you've got somebody blocking for him. So right. it, it, right. it's matchups in the ACC. Uh, matchups are, are coming to play a lot, 
And um, our matchup against uh, Florida State was very favorable to us because of the way our defensive line was able to dominate the football game. Uh, This week, I don't like the matchups anywhere near as much. I'm very impressed with Louisville's offense. I think that they have a chance to have some success against our defense. They can do a lot of things. Um, But I love the matchup of our offense against their defense. Their defense just does not look very good. So it could could end up being a very high-scoring game. Would not be shocked at all. I don't know that it'll get to 60, but I think it'll take 30 to win. I really do. I agree. I agree. Gary, I, I've been meaning to ask you this. I, I missed the show last week because I was traveling, but I, I wanted to ask you, did you ever find out or does anybody know why Camden Price was suspended for those couple of games? I mean, I'm guessing it's for the same reason that most of them get suspended for a couple games. Just knucklehead stuff. Just, just, I mean, well, I mean, there's, like, the, I just, the, the, I, you know, I don't want to suggest that he failed the drug test if he didn't, but most of these kids get suspended for smoking, smoking weed. Gotcha. I mean, gotcha. more often than not, when you see kids getting suspended, I mean, in some cases it might be academic, but more often than not, it's for smoking weed. You know, you, 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 you fail a drug test, I think, I think the rule is you miss a game. If you fail a second drug test, I think you miss two games. Um, you fail three of them, it's, I, it might be a whole season. But um, gotcha. so, you know, I'm guessing when you see a kid get a two-game suspension, it's usually that. But, you know, I don't want to say definitively that, that it is because maybe he doesn't even smoke weed. Maybe he got in trouble some other way. Yeah, exactly. I, I was just curious about it because Manny said that he would not be available for the um, – I believe it was the Virginia game. That's why, because somebody, I guess somebody had asked him um, that he was suspended for the Virginia Tech game, but he wouldn't be available for the Virginia game, but he'd be back for the Georgia Tech game. Well, obviously he rolled out Turner or Bubba for the Georgia Tech when they missed those kicks. And I, I, I know it sucks. I, I, I mean, you know, a walk-on kicker hanging out in the dorm on a Wednesday night, never expecting to get into a football game. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, just, he's got to have an opportunity to, to, to partake in some extracurricular activities if he wants to. So, and he, I'm sure he, you know, he was, he, he's not sitting there saying, oh, man, I got to be responsible because the team's counting on me. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's true. It just, it just kills me to know that, you know, if we had just beaten that Georgia Tech game, and I hate doing that what-if game. I'm, I'm tired of been doing that what-if game in this ACC for the years that we've been in this conference. But if we had just won that one, and I don't know how the pick game and this Florida State game go. I, I don't want to do that. But it's just like we'd be in control right now. You have the tiebreakers against both Pitt and Virginia, as bad as those losses to Carolina and Virginia Tech are. And so forth. And like you said, like you, Gary, I thought nine and three at the beginning of the year. I thought eight and four at worst. We win this one, we're in good shape to go eight and four. Maybe go nine and four with a big bowl game win. Now, let me ask you this: If they do run the table, Gary, who do you think what bowl game would take Miami? I mean, just the name brand alone compared to the other teams that might finish. You might have a bunch of ACC teams that finish eight and four. Where do you think Miami could ultimately end up? Um. I mean, I I gotta think at eight and four that Miami might be appealing to Orlando. You know, I I, I mean um, that would certainly be one of the one of the uh, first that comes to mind. Um, let me see. I'm trying to I'm trying to pull up the ACC bowl listing here. Uh, I would think you know El Paso always might be interested. In in Miami, 
As long as it doesn't because, snow this time, like it has the last. Well, because they can, seen, they can yeah. put, they can, you know, they can put together a, you know, a, a good cross country matchup. You know, like they could pit Miami sure. with like a US a USC or something like that. You know, that would be appealing. Um, I mean, the Belk Bowl usually likes to get one of those Carolina Virginia teams because of proximity. But I would think, um, you know, Sun Bowl, um, Camping World in Orlando. I'm seeing projections to the military bowl in Annapolis. I can't even begin to imagine that. Even though they went last year, wouldn't shock me if the New Era Pinstripe Bowl was interested in Miami again. Just because Just because of the alumni know, base and all that. The alumni there, base so, yeah. and, and what Miami brings to the table from, you know, a, a TV um standpoint. I just would love to just play somebody like I, I, I want to go to a good bowl game, obviously, but I'd like a fresh matchup too. somebody that we haven't played before. You know, like, I mean, it, I thought it was lazy last year that we had to play Wisconsin again, regardless of the record, you know, and everything. I, I just was just like, we played them last year. How do you, how do you do that? Like, you know, but I'm not in charge of that. I know that they have this selection thing and, and I don't want to waste any time more talking about that, but I wanted to um, be positive. About well, it's, just, it's so early, you know, it's still a little it's early, early to be, early. To be yeah. trying to project yeah. Bowl games. That's true. I the the thing also that I I'm the the positivity that I see out of this team too is DJ Dallas. I mean, you know, be it with it may, I mean, he's the heart of this team on offense. And I say Trajan Bandy, he's one of the guys on defense. And when you had both those guys go down against Georgia Tech, I feel like the team a little bit of the air came out of the balloon. I mean, I'm not trying to make excuses. I just feel that this team is so fragile and they need to learn how to win and so forth. And I just feel that if they bring back everybody that needs to come back. And there's not one person on that roster that should be able to go to the NFL early or think that they should be able to go to the NFL early, except for Russo, even though he's not eligible. But the truth of the matter is if they come back, I feel with the schedule they have next year, they can really build on something. And it's like you talked about last week. I think it was either last week or the week before you mentioned that before all this, you know, went downhill, you know, we had that four game slide back in Rick's season in 16. They finished on a five game winning streak, including a bowl game. And then it, it transferred over to the next season. You can almost see another do over happening. I just hope that we don't have another collapse. If we go 10, 10 wins next year, you know, if this they, if we win out kind of a thing, but I just feel that it's all about momentum. If this team wins, the recruits are going to come. I, I I really want to believe that, but at the same time, if Manny's got to do um, some shakeups or anything, I, I'm all for it. I, I, I want Manny to succeed. I said that a couple weeks ago when we talked. I want Manny to succeed, and nothing made me happier than to see him cheering with the guys after the game. You could tell that was a big one he really wanted, and even though he's a Florida State grad. Oh, my God. He wanted that one more than anything, and, and, and it showed. You know, and he got another coach fired. I mean, if you think about it, that was the straw that, that broke the camel's back. They, 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 they couldn't stomach losing to, to Miami and, and to lose like that at home. And, and they didn't even have a full crowd. And, and, I, and I never thought I'd see the day with, with, with at Doe Campbell Stadium that they didn't have a full crowd for Miami, Florida well, State. Regardless yeah, I of talked Miami to some people up, they've always filled it up. So, yeah. I talked to some people up there, and, and, and here's the deal. They were lo- that athletic department is losing 15 to $18 million this year because of the failures of the football program. That's in lost ticket sales, concessions booster donations, so forth and so on. So you're losing 15, 18 million a year uh, and you're going to go another year. So now you're going to have lost 30 to 35 million. That 17 million that they had to come up with to pay Willie Taggart becomes an investment because <laughs> they're not wow. paying it all at one time, I assure you. You know, they're going to pay it out yeah. over the course of the contract without question. And if he gets another job, 
then it, 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 I don't know what the language of the contract is, but maybe the load will be lessened a little bit. So that that almost became an investment for them. As crazy as, as it seems with those kind of dollar amounts, I mean, oh, my God. I mean, can you imagine it, it somebody paying you $17 million to go home? I mean, I wow. think in a heartbeat at this point. You know what well, I mean? who if, would? if they didn't want me to come back, it wouldn't break my it wouldn't break my heart. But I, I would hope that I didn't suck that bad. To, uh, to who would, man? Out, not even give it a year and a half. So somebody, 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 so. somebody, doesn't, somebody doesn't like me and would like to uh, to throw seventeen million over here uh, so you can get a new host for Kane Sport Live. No problem. <laughs> I hear you, Gary. Two quick, two, no two quick problem. Two quick things, and I'll let somebody else get on here. Um, very quickly, um, what what are your thoughts? Um, not so much about poaching Florida State's recruiting class, but you know, with Miami winning these last couple ones, especially the Florida State game, are we at least holding on to the guys that we have? Like, is Cheney still looking at Georgia, or do you think he, he's he's all in for Miami? What do you think about that? No, I think I think Cheney's all in. All signs are that he's all in, and and I think that for the most part, they they are holding on to who they want to hold on to. Uh, what I have actually liked i've liked some of the defections of the last few weeks because you know i felt like those were borderline guys and i and i'm not big on them taking borderline guys like to me if i were running recruiting in this program i would have a simple standard is the kid that i'm recruiting better than what we're playing with because what we are playing with and you can kid yourself all you want uh what we are playing with is not good enough to win anything okay it's just not okay we we don't have elite football players in this program right now you've got Rousseau is an elite football player you can see the difference between Rousseau and everybody else right I mean we, we don't have a lot of that okay you know we can call Brevin Jordan elite and I I do think that he is 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 extremely extremely good but like we don't have an elite quarterback we don't have an elite running back as good as dj dallas is playing you're looking at maybe what maybe yeah. like a fourth round draft pick um easily we yeah. you know we don't have an elite receiver uh you know we jeff don't. thomas you're talking about mid to late rounds um kj osborne you're talking mid to late rounds we don't have an elite receiver uh we don't have an elite defensive tackle right now uh, we've got Russo at defensive end. We don't have an elite linebacker. As good as we feel that Pinckney and Shaq are, and they have been phenomenal phenomenal for this program for the last four years, you're talking about fourth, fifth, sixth-round draft picks. Um, we don't have an elite defensive back, and we certainly don't have an elite kicker. So, uh, you know, including Headley. I mean, Headley's good. Huge improvement. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't think he's going to get drafted or anything. So, you know, my, my point is that we just don't have that in this program right now. We are a middle-of-the-pack ACC team like everybody else, and then there's Clemson miles ahead of everybody else, and that's what we are. So if I'm running recruiting in this program right now, I have a simple standard. If, if, if the kid that we're recruiting is not better than what we have on the roster right now, don't waste the scholarship. I mean, what's the point? That's the only way this program moves forward. And if not, we're going to be sitting here every year doing the same thing, losing three, four games, yelling and screaming, fire Blake, fire Manny. You know, it's, it's, we've been doing this for 15 years. 
Yeah, and you starting know? over and not getting anywhere. So yeah, getting no place yeah, because exactly. because yeah. you got to increase the standards in recruiting, the talent evaluation, the 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 work that goes into that has got to get elevated. And I Absolutely. am more worried about that than anything I've seen on the football field this year, offense or defense. You're right. You're right. You're right, Gary. Well, Gary, listen, I'll let somebody else get on there. Thank you for taking my call, brother. Love the show. I'll call in next week. All right, okay. Anytime, man. Thank you for being part of it. All right, guys, this would be a great moment for me to hit the pause button and talk a little bit about my absolutely favorite casual Italian restaurant in South Florida, and that is Sicilian Oven. And um, I tell you every week about how great the, the food is there, how great their pizzas are, how absolutely insane any of you guys out there listening tonight have to be to order from Papa John's or Domino's or Little Caesars or Pedro's, Alfonso's. You know, whatever pizza place, Steve's. I got a Steve's up the street from me. You don't waste your time winning any of that because there is no place quite like Sicilian Oven, which has six locations throughout South Florida. You've got the plantation location where I go all the time for lunch, try to get in there at least once a week. Great pizza lunch specials. And I. My wife loves it too, but she's very rarely with me in the middle of the day, so I always you know, get some takeout, bring it home to her for dinner. Um, at Sicilian Oven, they offer a new way of dining with a philosophy based on the best ingredients and flavor combinations mixed into a carefully designed menu. And um, there are recipes that have been handed down from generations through the DeSalvo and Garavuso families. And you know that there is nothing that those old school Italian grandmothers going way, way back through decades, there's nothing that they cherish more than their home-cooked Italian recipes, especially when it comes to things like sauce. You know, the, the, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a very, very, very significant thing in all of those traditional Italian fa- families. And that's what the DeSalvos and the Garavusos have brought to South Florida with Sicilian oven. And it begins with classic pizzas with traditional toppings and expands to gourmet and select pizza combinations that are far removed from what you will find at any of those joints at your nearest corner. You love wings? Well, Sicilian oven has these wood-fired wings that are marinated for 24 hours in Italian herbs and spices, and they serve them with the most delicious caramelized onions you'll ever eat in your life. They offer a whole wide array of Italian specialty dishes with ingredients like eggplant and mussels and shrimp. They have soups, sandwiches, salads, pasta dishes. No matter what you like to eat, no matter your taste, you will find something absolutely great to eat at Sicilian Oven with six locations throughout South Florida. All right, so Saturday, 3.30 kickoff, Louisville. You're going to be on your way to Hard Rock Stadium at 11, 12 o'clock probably, and you're going to want some food for your tailgate. All right, you got two locations there. You could stop and get some food and 
take it to the stadium and it'll still be hot. You got that plantation location that I talk about all the time because that's the one I hit the most. It's at the Fountains Complex off University Drive um, right there in central Broward County out west. Okay, And then you've got the Aventura location, which is east of the stadium at 205th in Biscayne. So put those on your agenda. Order in advance. Pick up your tailgating food. You won't be sorry. Um, need a place to eat great food after the game and don't live in those directions? There's a location in Lighthouse Point at the shops at Beacon Light where they recently expanded their outdoor dining area. There's a location in Coral Springs on Sample Road and 101st. You got a location in Boca Raton. And then if you want to have a couple drinks and maybe guys from the canesport.com message boards like, you know, Honey or at Varkas, you know, the guys that like to pound them down, maybe they'll jo even join you at that full liquor bar at the location uh, that's just west of Bayview on Oakland Park Boulevard in Fort Lauderdale. So get on over to your nearest Sicilian oven restaurant and get ready to experience the next level in casual Italian dining. You can visit SicilianOven.com to find the nearest location to you. It's Sicilian Oven and SicilianOven.com. You will not only love the taste, you will taste the love. And um, we're in the 9 o'clock hour now, and it's usually the time when we have that Sicilian Oven point counterpoint segment that we all love very much. We had uh, a pretty good one booked for tonight. Mr. Willis McGahee was scheduled to come on, but he just uh, just texted us, said a few things have come up. Not going to be able to make it on the show tonight. So we will try to book Willis at a future uh, time. And it uh, would, would have been great to talk to him. It's been a little bit of a while. And uh, we remember the great plays that he made in the Florida State game. I remember one where he caught that screen pass and took it down the field. I'm pretty sure that was Florida State. And um, big-time players make big-time plays in uh, big-time games. And Willis certainly was a big-time player. So it would have been great to have him tonight. Unfortunately, he just canceled. So it's left to us to carry the rest of the show. So hit that number one on your keypad after calling in 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. So, yeah, hit that number one on your keypad. Looks like, um, you know, we got a few guys on the board, but it's, um, it's lighter than usual tonight, probably because we switched to Wednesday night. So you first-time callers out there that don't usually – yeah, that are a little shy, tonight would be a great time. Right now, hit that one on your keypad, get in the queue. Uh, we'll get you on the show as we move forward here. All right, let me pick up where I left off. Uh, let's go to the 214. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? 214, you with us? Yeah, Gary, can you hear me? I can. Who's this? Good, good. Sorry, it didn't beep. <laughs> this is Jake from St. Pete. How you doing? What's up, Jake? Talk to us. What you got? Not much. Well, uh, to me, wow, what a, what a difference two weeks make. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, you know, with, um, with what I'm seeing right now, you know, like, I think uh, – I, I didn't catch last week's show, but uh, the week before, it was like everyone was willing to throw in the towel, wanting to lose the whole rest of the games. And you just see what a what a difference, uh, you know, two wins can make. 
And, uh, you know, you look right now, it looks like Florida State's dra- uh, or not draft class, but uh, uh, recruiting class just seems to be falling apart at the seams right now. I'm hoping maybe uh, the Canes can jump on a few of those, but uh, we'll see what happens with that. But what what do you see? You know, you're around this. It, it just seems like that Georgia Tech game really seemed to be a big catalyst for the uh, the remainder of this season, and just what a turnaround, uh, especially defensively. Um, you know, I mean, they, they've just been – solid as could be the last couple of weeks and well, it's uh, matchups it's matchups man it's like it's like the key to to our defense is up front let's let's be honest i mean the linebackers are good too no question but they can be exploited a little bit in the passing game that's been traditionally the case for now this is the fourth year um so the key to the Miami defense is disruption at the line of scrimmage. And if you're playing a team that has a decent offensive line, which, you know, the the teams that we lost to this year all had decent offensive lines that could keep our defensive line in relative control, um, then we're capable of being beaten. I mean, we, because well, it's, it's like I said, there's not enough elite on the roster. Um, Bandy is a great so- – um, you know, he plays hard as heck as a cornerback, but he, you know, he's probably a slot corner playing on the outside. He, you know, he, he's overachieving yeah. a little bit. Um, we don't have another great cornerback in in the program. The safeties have have been okay. You know, not not great, not terrible. Um, they weren't very good in the North I Carolina think game. Starting to flash. He's, uh, he's yeah, Hall. Pretty... Hall is probably the best. And Bolden, unfortunately, with... that oh, that was so sad. To and Bolden was starting to come on like a little that. bit, get back into it. Yeah. yeah, but you know, my my point is, when you're not great, it becomes about week to week matchups and execution and game plans. And you're going to win some, and you're going to lose some. And that's what we're seeing right now: win some, lose some. Lose to Virginia so, Tech and Georgia Tech and North Carolina. Beat Pittsburgh and Florida State and Virginia. Win some, the, lose some. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to take a, a little exception with the, some of the recruiting aspect, but a couple of things. Right now, to me, what, what seems like the most important recruiting, and I don't know, it may be a little premature, but to me, you know, like right now, we're, we're talking there aren't, you know, elite players on the team. And to a degree, I, you know, I, I agree with that. I don't think you can argue, you know, Rousseau, who knows, sky's the limit with that kid. But uh, He's going to be a top 10 pick. That's elite. That, that's the, that's uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the way he's playing, I mean, I, I, if he continues that in the next year, I mean, he could be a top yeah. three, I, I would I mean, think. that's super, um, super elite. Super elite. So – a couple of a couple of routes that, that I like to talk about is the the first one being is are you hearing anything about my or, or Manny recruiting guys back in because like what what scares the hell out of me is you look you, you know like right now when we're talking about players not being elite um, we've got half the team is freshmen and sophomores you don't look to those guys to be elite. They're, they're kind of at where actually you would hope they would be like Gervin Hall. I mean, you know, for a sophomore, a true sophomore, I think you're getting about as much juice out of that, that kid as you, you'd hope to get. Same thing like DJ Ivy, um, you know, Brevin well, Jordan, even. Uh, 
you know, I, I, I mean, mean how much listen, he, he, like, if you want to talk about Gervin Hall, he's on an up, he's, he's on an upward swing, no question. And yeah, by, by years three, four, maybe five, he's trending towards being a very good player. Um, are you ready to even close to calling him an elite safety? I'm not, I mean, he's no, made a few I'm plays here or there, point. but what I mean, I'm he's made a play here or there, but like elite. nothing that would inspire me to even like even think about no, getting no, no, to that no, elite no. Com- word. Completely agree with you. What what I'm yeah. saying, I, I think next year, if he continues on, it, he seems to be on an upward trajectory. I think next year Agreed. he could be an elite player. He would be a junior next year. You expect juniors and seniors to be at an elite level. You don't expect a sophomore to be at an elite level. If, if you get like, like Rousseau, wow, what a, what a nice turn of events. I mean, if you can get that, that's awesome. Uh, Brevin Jordan, I think he's, you know, he's pretty close to elite. Unfortunately with the line, I think they're asking him to block uh, a little bit more than you'd like to, to see him do that and not be as involved in the pass game. But my, my but, yeah, but you know what, like, but you know what, that's part of being elite as a tight end. And, and the fact oh, that no, he's having the block a lot is going to really help Brevin Jordan. Oh, I agree. I, th- I think he's going to be, well, unfortunately with him and Rousseau, I think we're only going to get one more year out of the two of them. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean, that's great. Like it's got some pros and cons to it. So what, I, what I'm saying is, is two things. Um, the first thing is there like talks, uh, you know, like going into the season, Bandy and Garvin, um, you know, th- these guys were, were definitely, there's some rumblings about them going to the NFL. Have you heard anything about Manny trying to stave that off a little bit? You know, they, they both have, I don't think they're going to have to, but not, uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to have to stave well, anything you off. You say with that, them. but man, look at Miami's mm. past. I mean, all these, yeah, uh, but Joe I mean, Gar- Garvin, Garvin would be insane to do that. I agree with you. Norton and McIntosh did it. But Garvin's not having anywhere close to the kind of season. Yeah, Joe that Jackson he would... did it. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, DJ but... Dallas, if he jumps ship, I, I say congratulations to you. You know, he should. If DJ he Dallas should. Year... He, I think DJ's maxed out what he can be. Yeah. What's he going to do? Go from a fourth round to a third round pick by sticking around? Yeah, he, he's never going to be not. a first rounder. No, he probably um, won't. He he probably stay the fourth and, round. And we can, to me, I think we can swallow that loss there. You know, with with uh, Cam playing. You know, he's he's playing pretty. You know, again for a sophomore, I think you're getting a lot of juice out of the kid. Not elite, but give him another year. I think you know. I, I think you could be talking about you know a very high level player. Um, who knows with Lingard? I, I hope he gets back on track. But you know, we're bringing in Cheney and. Uh, you know, so my point is, though, is it, 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 I think this team is starting to build something that can that can parlay into next year. If and the big caveat is the if we don't have stupid defections, if Bandy doesn't leave, if Garvin doesn't leave, uh, Ford, he you know he seems to be coming along in the last you know three four games. If these guys stick around and build upon what they're doing right now, we could be in some serious contention next year. If we get stupid defections, then we've got all kinds of, you know, we lose that depth that we, you know, we're looking at. Like think if Garvin comes back next year, you've got Rousseau and Garvin playing on the edge. 
we got a really solid, you know, uh, uh, defensive end situation again next year. And and you got it's Phillips. You got Phillips hopefully coming into the equation too if he yeah, can get Phillips, healthy. Yeah, uh, Harvey. I mean, you know, we unfortunately we haven't seen a lot of them this year, but I think the kid will come along. Um, you know, we got that Cam Williams. Uh, you know, I mean, so point is, is we got depth. If Garvin leaves, you know, pulls a bonehead move and goes and gets drafted in the sixth round. You know, now we're we're pretty thin, and then and then you know Rousseau is going to get double, triple teamed all day long, and now we're uh, now we're in a mess. Uh, same thing, you know, if Bandy leaves. I think if you can, you know, Blades and and Ivy seem to be progressing. If you can build upon what they're doing this year, keep those guys on the perimeter, and keep Bandy in the slot, we've got a really good secondary next year. Uh, you know, Hall uh, keeps going up and. Uh, Bolden comes back. We've got a really good secondary, and the the McLeod redshirt to me that that was a godsend because uh, you know I think we that would have been a, a glaring hole. But you know he, I think McLeod can be pretty good next year too. So you know you could be talking about another really good defense, and then you know if you can build a little bit with the offensive line, I don't think they're going to be elite next year or anything. Uh, you know to that to that end but again just the point is is like you know hopefully he can stave all these uh these guys who who could make a stupid decision to to jump to the nfl and then um you know to me it's just a building process like this year what what are your thoughts i personally i hope miami wins out i i will never ever root for Miami. That was one of the things that have been pissing me off the last two weeks, seeing all these guys, oh, let's lose so we can get Urban. Yeah, I don't know what like, they thought yeah, was going to happen. Losing all these Miami games. who there doesn't was... spend money is going to is gonna buy out Manny for $10 million bucks and then go no, spend no $8 million on Urban Meyer. Like, get real. Uh, no chance. You know, no. It, to root against your team for some silly pipe dream like that. And then you look at it, like, think about to the to the inverse of that. Look at what Florida State's going through right now. Like, you know, I know when we talk about recruiting, I definitely like to see some of these South Florida kids stay home. But think about, like, what Florida State's going through right now. They've had three recruits jump ship uh, the last week. Yeah, but think about what's going to happen. What if, they, what if they get this deal done with Bob Stoops? <laughs> I mean, think about what yeah, – well, about... He's been out of football. You know what? Hey, there's a reason he was coaching in the XFL. Uh yeah, I don't but, know. But we'll what see. I'm saying Four is the the excitement removed. the excitement meter in Tallahassee is going to go soaring through the sky if they can land Bob Stoops. I mean, yeah, the hype we'll coming see. out I, of there. I, I, I know oh, it's going to be hype. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I, that that to me. I, I was worried they were going to get that guy from Minnesota. But 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 digressing from all that. My point being is is that you know think about we were at such a crossroads in this game. Where I think think of if Miami was on the inverse of that. What if we lost twenty seven to ten? Could you imagine where our season's going? Oh my where god! Everything, yeah, I don't. Yeah, we would have had three or four uh, decommits. I bet you any money. Uh, that Fleming kid, uh, he, you know, he's been tenuous. Uh, you know, so uh, the. Uh, you look at it, we're, I think Manny's finally starting to build on something here. And I, I was very worried after that Georgia Tech loss, but it seems like we're we're finally – it seems like the needle's moving in the right direction. And 
you know, a lot of guys just think, you know, Miami's going to snap its fingers and all of a sudden be a national contender uh, overnight. It's going to take – I don't like to, to say rebuild because we've been doing it for 15 years, but you don't go from seven wins to national championship. But think of one instance where that's happened. I can't. I, I don't know if you can, but uh, it, it just doesn't happen. No. you got to win – you, you got to win nine, ten games consistently. And look at in twenty eighteen, we signed a damn good recruiting class. Those kids are starting to pay dividends. I think we lucked out a little bit with the portal last year and whatnot. If we can win out this year, I truthfully, I, I want us to win every game. I don't know what your thoughts are. I don't want to play Clemson. Without question, you want to win every game. But but if me personally, if you can win every I, if you can win every game and put ten victories up on the board, eleven victories, you, what do you need to change coaches? Oh no for? no, like, I'm talking this season. Yeah. I'm talking this season. Yeah, you I, definitely want to win out and get game. to a, get to a decent bowl game and then win that. Now you've got some momentum, you know, going oh, yeah, into yeah, December and January. I, I'm yeah. saying I don't want to play Clemson this year. I, I don't think it serves any point. I don't. Yeah, I don't. It does, I don't. There's so much that would have to happen. I don't think you're gonna have to worry about that. Not only what has to happen, but what what's the point? We're we're not going to beat Clemson. Uh, I no. mean, the best we could do is hope to lose by fourteen. Um, I I don't think that serves any purpose. And then that you know you lose momentum. If we win out uh, going into a bowl game, this team's got some monster momentum. You know, I I think of that West that that win we had over West Virginia in yep. twenty. Uh, That's your 20, blueprint right now, no doubt. Yep. If we can do that, parlay it, finish out. This recruiting class is not elite, but it's solid. We got a lot of solid players in it. And then next year, to me, what the big dividend is, is if we got momentum going in next year, we've got the same type of schedule next year. Um, In fact, easier because Michigan State is nowhere on the near level of Florida. We can parlay that. 2020, South Florida is stacked. Yep. If we can bring some of those kids back home, bring James Williams back into the fold uh, with a 10-11 win season, now you're talking. And then, to me, I, the, 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 the date I have had since they hired Manny is 2021, opening the season. That's the name of the game. What do we do yep. against Bama? Yep. Next year, well, you know, like, look. Will Saban I mean, even we still be there? The, That's two more seasons. Who knows if he'll even still be there? Who knows? And, you know, they're, they're starting to have a lot of defections in the NFL prematurely. You never know. Uh, so, it's just, you know, to me, winning out is just the biggest key. But then, you know, roster management. Uh, that's what it all comes down to. Like, think of this year if Mahoney wouldn't have left or if Jahir, or not Jahir Jones, who was uh, Venzel Boulware, those two guys don't leave. Who knows? <laughs> you know, the, the whole line has been the whole crutch of the season here. And, you know, it's just roster management though. And if we could get some balance back to that, you know, the D looks like we're pretty solid, um, you know, barring some stupid defections. But, um, you know, if we can build a little on that offensive line, we could be talking about parlaying this into some pretty, uh, you know, interesting 2020 season. So. Yeah, no doubt. But let's focus on Louisville Saturday because they're going to be a hit. Yeah, that's, that's it. It'll be interesting. Although Florida State beat Louisville, so yep. we'll see. <laughs> so, well, good stuff. I'll let you go. But, uh, yeah, good talk. I appreciate it. All right, man. Thank you for being part of the show.
All right, 563-999-3633. Hit one on your keypad if you would like to get in the queue and come on the show. Let's go to the 904. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Here. What's going on, man? Doing good. Who's this? Hello? Are you with us? You there? Did we lose you? <laughs> All right, man. Next week. Let's go to – that was bizarre. Let's go to the 352. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gear? Doing good. Who's this? This is Kane's 3815. Hey, what's up, man? Your hey, first-time caller? I don't remember you calling before. Have you called before? Yeah, I called before. It's been a long, it's been a long while ago, though. All right, well, welcome back. What you got for us? Uh, pretty good game, Saturday. Um, that's probably that's the best game I've seen Miami play in, oh, man, it's been a while. That's a pretty, pretty complete game. Matchups, man. Matchups are are important. Yeah. And um, it, it, we were in a position where the D-line could control the football game, and everybody else showed up, too, for the most part. I mean, I, I mean, offensively, you still still got issues. I mean, 3 of 15 on third downs, only 350 yards of offense. I mean, offense has a lot of growth left in it. Yeah. But, hey, Gary, I've got yep. a question for you. You ever listen to the guys out of Jacksonville? No. The radio station up here in Jacksonville? Okay. No. It, it, it's called it's called ten ten XL. You mm-hmm. got one guy in the name, Rick Blue, he's a big Seminole fan. You got a guy named Frank Francis, he's a big Gator fan. And every time they talk about Miami, it's always negative. They always keep saying Miami will never come back. Miami will never come back. But Gary, look where it is. Give me your honest look- opinion. Give me your honest opinion. They always say, oh, Florida State's going to rebound. And, you know, they, they always make excuses for Florida State and, and, and for, for Florida. But if your program is so good, why are you not winning championships? You know, if you've if you got all the resources and all this and that, why are you not winning championships every year? Why does right, Miami well, still hold a record? Why I mean, does first, Miami still hold a record over both of those programs? And we've been down for 15, 16 years, and we still – hold a record over both of those schools. So how is Miami never going to come back again? Please explain to me, Gary. Well, the the first part of your question, I mean, ja- look where Jacksonville is. Uh, it's, it's, it's between Gainesville and Tallahassee. So uh, no surprise there that their allegiance is to Florida and Florida State over Miami. So that, that's not a surprise at all. But in terms of getting back, I, I think all three programs in the state have the capability to get back. Uh, I mean, in terms of Miami, just get the right combination of people in the damn building. Like just get the right combination of human beings in the building from top to bottom. And Miami can get back to where Miami once was, but there can't be, there can't, there can't be compromises. And to me, to my, to my eye for the last 15 years, too many compromises. Definitely. Oh, Definitely. This, I, I, this guy's no, a good no, coach. No. You know, the, the, this, this, this guy's a good coach, but, you know, maybe he, he doesn't have as good a staff as he needs. No, no, no argument you know? from me on that, Gary. 
My yeah, I'm, I'm is, not talking about Manny. I'm just talking about in, gen, in, in general. I mean, you go back through this history. I mean, why did Randy Shannon fail? Couldn't put together a good enough coaching staff. Didn't have the resources to do it. He, he had the inclination to do it. He wanted to hire a, a big-time offensive coordinator. Didn't have the resources. Then when he got a little bit better resources and was able to hire Mark Whipple, um, it, it just didn't didn't quite work out as planned. And the the roster wasn't good enough. Randy maybe didn't do quite what he needed to do off the field with boosters and the administration. And there was way too big of a rush to fire him after the, after that, that season where, where things went, went south. And so, so, you know, so then golden golden comes in, you, you know, the high guy, he, he, he did a great job up at, up at temple. Who did he know in the state of Florida? Like nobody. Um, what kind of staff was he going to be able to pull together that was going to be able to recruit in the state and in the, in the Southeast? He couldn't. He, there was nobody. And it wasn't good enough. Surprise, surprise. And Golden himself as an individual had a chance. Like as a head coach, he, like, he had a lot of what you need. He presented very well. He was a smart guy, worked his butt off. Um, I really thought Golden had a chance to su- succeed. And, and I felt back then that, you know, he just, he needed time to get, to get a little traction, but the, the turning point for him came in that bowl game against Louisville in Orlando. When Louisville beat the daylights out of us with Teddy Bridgewater and Golden was smacked across the face that your staff isn't good enough. You need to make some changes, and he refused to do it, and that was it for him. Exactly. You know? Exactly. You know, he, he, he never made changes, and see, this is the thing about it. Now we're gonna see if Manny gonna make changes after this season because I think well, changes need to well, be made on that staff. Yeah, I mean, there's certain things that are screaming out at Manny, but you know, but, but you know, so, but so then you move to Mark Richt. Okay, now everybody at Georgia knew that Mark Richt was burnt out. Okay, exactly. there was. That's why he got fired. That's why he got fired there. He was burnt out. Okay, but all right. So you're Miami. You, you don't have a lot of great options. Um, Mario Cristobal was not ready at that point. Realistically, he he needed a, a little more time. Um, you know, they could have hired Dan Mullen back then. You know, maybe it would have worked. Maybe it wouldn't. Mark Richt was a great option at a time when the university was looking to spend the money and get an established coach. Okay. So Mark Rick comes in struggles year one peels off 17 straight victories. Okay. We all, we all forget that. All right. He won 17 straight games. All right. They build the indoor practice facility. He's burnt out. Everything falls apart last year. All right. Um, Right. But, but he transformed the program. The, the budgets were increased. He, he absolutely transformed the program. Built the indoor. Budgets are increased. Okay. Now, we, and we talked about this, you know, last, last week quite a bit. And, you know, we're coming off two victories here, which I think everybody should feel very good about. But Blake James had a clean slate. He could have hired any coach in America. And I don't think we're disrespecting Manny Diaz if, if we say he's not the greatest coach in college football right now. Okay? I'm not looking to disrespect Manny at all, ever, because I don't blame Manny for anything. And he's just won two football games okay, on the road, which I don't care what conference you play in, whatever. You go on the road, win two games like that, when your team and program are reeling, that's a good accomplishment. Okay, 
Blake James had the clean slate, could hire anybody, okay? And they had already transformed the program, increased the budget so that you could afford a four or five million dollar coach to come who commands that, who has a track record, whatever. I mean, we dialed the clock backwards. So now we're sitting here, we gotta grow with Manny. And we gotta hope that Manny grows. And maybe he will, maybe he won't. But it's a lab experiment. Let's be honest. You know, we're sitting here, um, you know, with with a five and four record. Um, maybe got a couple bad breaks that, you know, maybe the record could be a little bit better. No, no, no argument whatsoever. But this program's nowhere close to competing at the Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson level, and it's going to take off the chain recruiting. I mean, the recruiting's going to have to elevate enormously for Miami to be back the way you're talking about. And, um, you know, Manny's going to have to morph into Superman, okay, while he's learning how to be a head coach and everything. So we, so we, we're back in the experimental stage. You know, maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. And, I, you know, I, so I just think – I don't think that was necessary personally. And, you know, I, I think the fact that Miami is not what, what everybody wants Miami to be is Miami's fault. Because we're not doing business here at a level that you need to do business at to to get to where Clemson is. Clemson is where Clemson is because they've been doing business at that level for several years now. Five, six years, they've been doing business at the top level, and that's why they're where they're at. Alabama, same story. All those teams, yeah. But Gary, why wouldn't Blake James do his due diligence, take your time, and find the right trigger man? You, you didn't have to rush, like you said. He believes that Manny's the right trigger man. You heard him last week. I mean, he believes Manny's the right trigger man. I heard that crap. You know, I don't buy none of that he was selling. He, he, he kept stuttering. He could never – he always – he was getting very defensive with you because he knew that – the question you asked him – he didn't have no answer for him because he knew he made a mistake. But like you said, be okay with it. If you, if you know you made a mistake, are you going to be mad enough to stand up and say, okay, I made a mistake, let's end this now and get the right coach? I like when you're asking that question. I wonder if he's going to do that, though. Well, I mean, but but it's not an issue. He, he does, he's not faced with that right now. I mean, the team's five and four. It's one. It's won two yeah, in a row not. on the road. Um, they got to come up big, big against Louisville. They got a chance to win out and go to a bowl game and see what happens. I mean, like uh, that's not an issue right now. That that's only an issue if the if the, if the bottom comes out it, it, down the road. But um, but my point is like we're back and ex- we're back we're back to being kind of like a lab experiment with you know young inexperienced coaches. We don't have proven recruiters on the staff. And it is what it is. And I love every one of those guys. They're great dudes. Every said there's, there's not, I mean, I can think of one or two I don't like very much, but they're, but for the most part, not on the coaching staff, but in the building, but like the, the guys on that coaching staff are top to bottom, phenomenal dudes, phenomenal dudes. And, you know, you pull for them as hard as you can pull for somebody. But I, at the same time, I recognize there's not an elite recruiter on the staff, um, there's, you know, a, a lot of unproven coaches in, in different areas. And, you know, it's to me, Miami should not be in that position. It doesn't have that to be. It's, 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 it's choosing to be in that position. And that's the mistake. 
But that said, you're in the ACC. You're in the ACC where there's one elite team, and then there's the pack. Okay, and that's where we are. We're in the pack. Win some, lose yeah, it, some. It, 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 and it's been like this every yeah, it, year. Yeah, well, you know, well, like I said, up here in Jacksonville, those guys, they, they always talk negative about Miami continuously. As if Florida and Florida State didn't set the world on fire, which they haven't. Now, back to that. Leon Special lives here in Jacksonville. He's on the radio every day from noon to about 1.30. Gary, Leon does not try to defend us at all. They can, make, they can, they can take shots at Miami. And Leon kind of sits there like, Dude, that's your all, that's your all, uh, alma mater. Stand up for your damn alma mater. It's like he'll sit there like one saying that. You know that, when that's, when you when you're that. when you're losing the way that we've been losing up until the last few weeks. I mean, what's Leon supposed to say? Like you, you think he's happy about what he's seeing? Those former players, they're unhappier than the fans. But again, what I mean, has Florida State and Florida done though? They haven't done shit. They haven't done nothing. Florida hasn't won for ten people. That's been ten years ago. And in Florida, Florida's you know got a got a better team than it's had this year, and they still now have two. Now they have two losses. They'll probably finish ten and two though, and go to a great, a really good bowl game. But but Gary, if they if they're so perfect, why are they not winning championships every year like they claim? You know they, they're so just they're so that I can't stand Gator fans. Well, I hate I hate Gators that do Seminoles. They're not perfect by any stretch. They're 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 only in year two of Dan Mullen. I mean, he didn't inherit anything exactly. great. Exactly. He's and, having and to build that. He's having to build a program. And then, when has Dan Mullen ever been a, a eleven, twelve win coach? I don't. I mean, he's had a couple good teams at Mississippi State, but I don't know that he ever was a national championship contender or anything. I, in fact, I know he wasn't. Even that year they went to the Orange Bowl, I think they were ten and two, right? I think they were or something like that. But just like yeah. Kevin Harris said last last week, come on, Gary, we we know them jokers are cheating. They're paying players. Kevin Harris said he know he know bad man personally, and it's been going on for Florida's been cheating for a long time, Gary. They were cheating up on the Urban Meyer, but what happened? Nothing. Everything got swept up under the rug. Florida's been doing it. Clemson's been doing it. Alabama's doing it. Georgia's doing it. So I mean, so it's it's not a it's not it's not a fair game here. It, it's not it, it's not a fair playoff here. I'm not saying Miami should cheat, but like you said, we we got to get better coaches and better recruit, man. Because if if we want to be big boys, we 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 got we got to play with the big boys. You know what I mean? We can't go out there with these little Mickey Mouse coaches and stuff. And Mickey Mouse, first off, or Mickey Mouse AD is what Blake James is. I'll tell you, man. I wish. I, w- I wish I could get somebody to put up like a grand prize. I would love to have a sweepstakes and have a contest. Um, who can lay out the plan to become a championship football program without cheating? <laughs> How do you do it? <laughs> I mean, I've got my own ideas, but, um, you know, it, it's, it would be an interesting project. You know, I mean, I, mean it, I agree that all the cheating taking place in college football makes it a lot more difficult. But if there's any programs that can do it without rampant cheating. It's the programs in the state of Florida because there's so many players in this state. Why can't Miami land in them, Gary? They're not doing a good enough job. They're not recruiting well enough. I mean, I'm watching tape of Louisville today, and I mean, I watched the whole Louisville Wake Forest game because Wake Forest theoretically was, you know, it was. It, it was an exciting game, and and um, 
Wake Forest is theoretically a top 25 team. And I was interested in seeing what Louisville looked like against decent competition. And I mean, Louisville's got some offensive players now that are better than what we're playing with. I mean, I was very impressed with, with, with some of their skill guys. And they, they had a little receiver. I forget his name from South Florida, who is every bit as good or better than Mike Harley, you know, similar type of player, you know, small receiver. Uh, so like to me, it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta evaluate. Well, you have to recruit. Well, the kids that you're competing with the big time schools for, you gotta be able to sit down and lay out a plan for them and explain to them why, why this degree that they're going to get from the university of Miami and, and, and what opportunities are going to be available to them after they graduate supersede, you know, taking a $20,000 handout, you know, or whatever, you, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta have a professional operation in place that can sit down and lay that out to these kids and their families. And if that's not good enough, then it's just not good enough. But, um, you know, you got to be able to present it in a persuasive enough way. I mean, basketball's doing it. Basketball just landed a five-star forward who's an absolute man-child from Washington, D.C. Yeah, I saw that. I, I saw that. Well, Gary, let me ask you a question right here. I won't keep you too much longer. What changes do you think Manning needs to make after the season? What what position coaches do you think he needs to make a change at? From, I mean, cause I, this is I think he's got a – I think he's got to beef up the recruiting office. Um, I like what Cooney and DVD and, and, and Edwin Pata are doing there in terms of relations with kids, but like um, needs way more juice than what he has in running that recruiting office and evaluating talent and identifying players and, and making sure that no stone is left untouched um, so that, you know, your, your, your key offensive line target isn't going to the Florida game and sitting in the Florida section, that you've got that button down, um, you know, that your top 2021 receiver in South Florida is not sitting there on his birthday, propping up uh, 20 birthday cards that he got from everybody in the South Florida, I mean, South Carolina football program and talking about how much he loves South Carolina instead of how much he loves Miami. <laughs> I mean, these are the things I see that are just to me like unforgivable. Like, like that's just pure like negligence. Like, the, I mean, how does that happen? A kid at Booker T. Washington who's sitting there exactly. celebrating his birthday exactly. with the South Carolina coaching staff. I mean, oh my God! I mean, yeah. uh, <laughs> who, 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 who South Carolina, really? Well, but the, how is South Carolina outworking? How is South Carolina outworking Miami for a kid in Miami that you can have on your campus every day? That you can come walk I'm out tell, there. I'm gonna tell you why. Will Muschamp, he is a hell of a recruiter. That that's why. Will okay, Muschamp, but that's my point. He probably got the best coach, but he is a hell of a recruiter. Yeah, well, the love of a recruiter is is running a recruiting operation that's better right now than what we're running. And so you're asking me what Manny, what I think Manny should change. That was where I would start big time, number one. I would for, I would fortify that. Um, I would keep Cooney and DVD and Pata, and I would build and, and, and get some dudes in there that can evaluate tape and identify prospects and um, – well, 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 Gary, you don't think Blake James knew 
You don't think this guy knew this before he pulled the trigger? You, you don't think that he sat back and did his homework and said, okay, I need, a, I need somebody no, to No, I don't. I honestly don't, and I like Blake a lot, and I think Blake's done it. Blake, like I said last week, is a very accomplished athletic director. Um, I like him a lot. I think when it comes to running the football program, no, I don't think he's like I. I don't think he. That's that's his wheelhouse. I don't think he. I don't think he understands how important the entire operation is, and and who who the head coach is capable of hiring to come work in those areas. You know, you look at the, the strength program, you know, the strength program, you look and you see what a great job David Feely is doing. That's a big time hire, David Feely. Well, that's the level that you need to be in every area of your program. You can't have weaknesses. Exactly. The game is too competitive. Exactly. It, there's too many places that you have to be both on the field and off the field that are solid and are doing it right and do have alpha males that'll work from six in the morning to 11 o'clock at night for the cause as crazy as it is and, and give up their family time and everything else. It's, it's a brutal business, man. Brutal, brutal, brutal business. But the people that are willing to do it, the people that are willing to play a game at eight o'clock on Saturday night and be texting recruits at 6 a.m. the next morning after getting, getting home at three in the morning from, from a road trip, but they're up at 6 a.m. working on rec- working recruiting. Like, that's what those people are doing, man. That's what they're doing at Georgia. And that's what they're doing at Alabama. And that's what they're doing at Clemson. And that's why those programs are successful. Yeah, everybody thinks and knows or whatever that they cheat, yada, yada, yada. But they're also doing more than cheating. Because even the people that cheat are competing with each other for these kids. They got to beat each other. So it's not just about cheating. You know, and that's what I keep trying to tell everybody. It's more than that. And, you know, you've got to be, when you're running a football program, you've got to be rock solid in every single area. You can't have weaknesses. You can't have weaknesses on the coaching staff. You can't have weaknesses in the back office. It's too big of an operation. It's too much of a team effort. And all weaknesses do is create dissension. Hey, Gary, to top that all off, guess who's in the top four? Mario Cristobal. The top four of number four of college football playoff string. They're, 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 I think they're number four right now. I think, I think they're number, number seven number right now. But if they win out, they may find their way to number four by the end of the year. Because it, it's going to be so very hard. Is- number one, it's going to be very hard for that committee to disrespect or disregard or whatever the Pac-12 every single year. And say, oh, geez, we're just we're taking two SEC teams every year, and we're going to pretend that you Pac-12 don't even exist. I mean, I can't imagine like exactly. that. That if, if if Oregon's sitting there 11 and one has, has won 11 straight games, and um and they're worthy of being number four, I don't know how you pass them up to put a second SEC team because the SEC has its own playoff. They all play each other. Exactly. You know, exactly. Alabama's playing LSU this week. Georgia's going to get to play the winner of Alabama LSU. Um, you know, they're having their own playoff. So take the survivor of that playoff and put them in there. And, you know, I, Clemson's going to deserve to be in there. I think Ohio State's making a great case for itself. And I think the fourth team, if Oregon runs the table, should be Oregon. So, you know, we'll, 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 see, we'll see what happens. And the other thing you got to consider – 
the other thing you got to consider is the athletic director at Oregon. He's the head of the committee. So now he's got to recuse himself when that conversation takes place. He's got to walk out of the room. But you tell me that all those guys sitting on that committee with him, when he walks out of the room, are going to say, screw his school. You know, we're going to put a second SEC <laughs> program in. I mean, no, that would be no, – no. I can't imagine that. So I hope Mario I gets in there even. because I know how hard Mario works. And, you know, he's done a great job at Oregon. And he's going to be one of the hottest commodities in, in coaching real soon here as he continues to polish up his on-field coaching and refine all of that. And um, he's a Miami alumnus, and I wish nothing but the best for him. I, I don't feel Miami's threatened by Mario's success like some people do. And um, I hope he does win out, and I hope he does get into the playoffs. I hope he does too, Gary. I, I, and when I, and when, and when I call him for tickets, he better say yes, God dang it. Because <laughs> I'm going to probably go watch. <laughs> I, I, I miss the playoffs, man. I miss, I miss the playoffs. I miss that stage. I need an excuse to go to one of those games. <laughs> if we had oh, man. Game, what would I want to do right now? If we had, if we had crystal ball, what would I want to do? Oh, I don't know. I don't want to say that. That's not fair to Manny. Uh, you know, this is not a Manny okay. versus Mario. The, you know, it's it's just not. Okay. You know, I mean, Blake had a choice. He picked Manny. That's Blake's right. I mean, he could have hired Mario. It, this is not Manny versus Mario. I don't see Mario as a threat to Manny, and Manny's not a threat to Mario. You know, Mario's a former Kane that's made, you know, trying to make it big in coaching and doing a heck of a job. They're not in competition with exactly. each other. Yeah. So let me ask you one more question, Gary, and I'm going to let you go. If it doesn't work out with Manny, do you think Blake James will be in trouble? No. Blake James has way too much collateral with the board of trustees that they would fire him if his hire for football coach didn't work out. I don't see that happening by any stretch of the imagination. Now, I do think that people on the board of trustees would make sure Blake did a proper search the next time. Do you trust him to make another hire? If that was to happen, would you trust him? I don't think he would have that kind of power. I don't think he would have that kind of um, autonomy. I think that they 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 would make sure that a proper search was done, that there was a committee and that a search firm was hired and that they took the time to see who was interested in the job, and what the resumes of those people were. I don't think it would be a one-man make one, – I've never, I've never seen this ever at the University of Miami, I don't think, where one man by himself, not even Sam Jankovic by himself, did, you know, did everything. I mean, and even Sam was doing a proper search when he found Jimmy Johnson. That's so, crazy, man. That's I mean, crazy, that's, man. if he wasn't doing – if, if Sam Jankovic – was not doing a proper search when Howard left and he had to find a coach, the entire history of Miami football would probably be totally different because Jimmy Johnson never would have been in the equation. And who knows who he would have hired and who knows that they would have been successful. How what? How did he find Jimmy? How did he find Jimmy? He ran into him in an elevator and started talking about, you know, you know, what his thoughts were on who he, who he should talk to. And Jimmy was like, what about me? I might be interested in that. Let's talk. 
Wow, just like that. Yeah. That's he was out. I think. Was, I think. Wow. If I remember correctly, if I remember, it was at the coaches' convention. Sam went out to the coaches' convention to talk to coaches. And he, I think yeah. he ran into Jimmy. I, I, if, if I'm remembering the story correctly, he ran into Jimmy in an elevator, and they had a conversation about coaches that he should talk to. And Jimmy said, hey, why don't you talk to me? I might be interested in that. And it took off from there. Wow. That's crazy. Yep. <laughs> crazy. That's crazy. That's how things are sometimes, man. I mean, what if Nick Saban had stayed with the Dolphins and he wasn't at Alabama? That would have changed the history kept, of Alabama. It kept you know, Drew Brees what, at Miami when Miami had Drew Brees. Yeah. Remember but that? what if he had stayed? What, 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 yeah, but what if what if Nick Saban stays in the NFL? You know, what if Urban Meyer doesn't go to Ohio State? They wouldn't have won their national title probably. You know, it's, again, it, you it, 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 yeah, go ahead. Again, you, you, you made a great point about him going to Ohio State to uh, Blake James. He, he just really just – he just he just just took what you said and just kind of just like threw it up on the road, and you were spot on with that because like you said when when they bought Urban Urban there, this dude won twelve games his first year there with none of his players. Yeah, now none the one the players. one thing the, the one thing I did not state properly last week, which I uh, which I caught myself after the show, was when I was talking about um, Luke Fickell, they when Ohio State gave him that full season in twenty eleven. Um, it was a, it, they gave him a two-year contract, but it was with the interim label. Like they gave him a two-year contract to be the interim coach to see how he did. If he had won that year, he would have kept the job. But when he went six and seven, I believe it was six and seven, um, six and seven or seven and six. I think it was six and seven. Um, they they didn't wait for year for a second year of 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 of. Exactly. of no, they didn't wait. And and the exactly. next year they went twelve and they, they 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 had the opportunity to get Urban Meyer. They grabbed them. They went twelve and zero the next year. And then two years later, after exactly. that, they won the they won the national title. So exactly. you know that's what we were talking to Blake about. Like if you had the opportunity exactly. to do to do something big like that, um, we, you know, there is a precedent. He would you know, he would yeah. do it. Gear. He would do it. He yeah, and let me tell you something. They, Ohio State's doing it with Ryan Day right now, and and Ryan Day kind of has inherited a program here, the way sort of Larry Coker inherited Miami. I mean, it's a built exactly. stock stock roster. Don't be surprised if Ohio State a couple years from now starts to show a little slippage. Like right now, they're loaded, and they picked up a quarterback, and the whole thing, everything's great in in Columbus. Don't be shocked if a couple of years from now, Ohio State doesn't start to mirror kind of like the way Miami did under Coker, where went from going undefeated two years in a row, now you're winning nine games and eight games, and don't be shocked. You very easily could. It'll depend on who they hire to replace Saban. Um, don't be shocked. I'll throw this one out there. Do not be shocked if Alabama does not hire Mario Cristobal to replace Nick Saban. Don't be shocked that'd if that happens. It could happen. It could happen. He knows the program. He knows everybody in the program. Don't be shocked. All right, man. You got anything else for us tonight? No, that's it, Gary. I appreciate it, man. I enjoy talking with you. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Good call. 
All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. I know that one uh, went a little long, but a lot of good topics in there that we that we covered, so I hope uh, nobody got restless. Uh, let's go out to the uh, 239. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How you doing? Doing great. Who's this? Uh, this is TG Player 12. So I usually call in once a season, and uh, I waited until we had a good game to call in after. There you go. Losses have been brutal. <laughs> so, um, something I was thinking about after this this great win on Saturday. What do you think about the risk that if we go on a little bit of a run here to finish out the season? Which, by the way, I want nothing more than for that to happen. But it covers some of the warts that we have on the assistance and. A guy like Butch Berry, who's doing, I think, a good job coaching up his unit, but so far it looks like a bit of a recruiting liability. Or subs, or some of these other coaches that may be getting their position groups doing better, but up till now, uh, the recruiting has been, you know, mediocre to below average. What do you think about the risk of that not getting addressed if we end up 8-4? That's where the head coach comes in, man. I mean, that's where that those are the evaluations Manny Diaz has to be able to make. You know, he's got a, you know, he's in the trenches with everybody on his staff every single day. And a head coach has got to be able to make tough decisions. I mean, you know, we talk about Mario so damn much. I mean, look at Mario had Jim Levitt as his defensive coordinator last year. Okay. You know, Jim Levitt is considered a pretty good defensive coach. I mean, Florida State yeah. brought him in. To tr- yeah. Brought him in this year to try to save the day. Um, Mario made a decision that Jim Levitt was not strong enough for what he needed to do the job that he wants to do at Oregon. And I believe Levitt had a contract at Oregon, and on top of it, that Oregon may have had to buy out. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the details on that. But that decision was made. You know, Mario wanted to go in a different direction with his defensive coordinator and walked away from Jim Levitt, who a lot of people, you know, feel is a pretty darn good defensive coach. Well, P.S., I mean, I don't know if you paid any attention, but have you seen the way Mario's defense is playing this year? It's markedly better, markedly better. Um, His defensive backs are massively better than they were a year ago. Um, they're tougher. Uh, I mean, I, in every single way. I mean, they're they're just better than they were last year. And if they do go eleven and one, the the defense is going to be a big part of the reason. And that's even with the fact that they have a great quarterback on the offensive side. Um, so, like to me, and those are the type of things that I see when I just watch how that guy runs his program and I watch how they get after recruiting and everybody out West can't stop talking enough about how, how his staff gets after recruiting. Um, and like, so to me, like the, all these things, you know, it comes back to the, to the head coach. That's why you're the head coach. That's why you're paid $3 million a year. Um, to I mean, a guy like make Blake the, Baker, right. Ultimately at this point, is Blake Baker worth his title and his salary? I don't. I don't know that he's making an enormous amount of money. I can tell you about. But you know, I've been very impressed with Blake Baker. I like Blake Baker a lot. Um, I think he's a very good young coach. Um, 
should he have jumped from Louisiana Tech to Miami? Uh, that's a pretty big jump, uh, you know, in terms of coaching escalation. Um, but very good young coach. People in Louisiana like him. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that translates into getting any players out of Louisiana that are good players. Uh, at the end of the day, that's got to happen. Um, but, you know, I like Blake Baker, and you've got a head coach that's a defensive coordinator uh, to work hands-on with Blake Baker. So I don't see any issues with Blake at all. I really don't. Um, I, I think he'll be well, back. I don't mean an issue with, issue with Blake as a guy or as a, a guy in the coaching staff. No, I don't see any issues with him as a coach either because he's running Manny's system. I mean, with with all respects to the people that come on the message boards and try to suggest otherwise, yeah, he might put a tweak here or there, but they're pretty much running the Manny Diaz defense. I mean, yeah, I mean, he he, I mean, he's calling plays on on game day, so Manny can address head coaching issues and be a game day coach too. Yeah, so I, but I he's calling that. plays on game day, but they've already gone through every scenario of what they're going to call. Like he's calling them from a play sheet. If it's third and long this is what we're going to call, you know, if, you know, they, they, they have a play sheet with every scenario, like they know what their plan is going into the game. So calling the plays, you know, that's sexy and all that. But I mean, he and Manny are doing that together. I mean, Manny's not just letting Blake do it and not be involved. So I, I, you know, I don't, if you were looking for a defensive coordinator that had to run the show by himself, uh, autonomously, then I would say I don't think I think you know you need to do better than Blake Baker just from an experience standpoint. Um, but with the you know Manny's got 20 years of experience running defenses, so you yeah. know you can and, people and, and, football and think, football think, people will argue about schemes and whether they're good enough and sound enough and everything else. You know that's that's for hardcore football talk. But at the end of the day, they're Manny's they're Manny's schemes, and maybe Blake throws a tweak in here or there, but he's basically running the Manny Diaz defense. So I don't see it as a problem. Just look, looking at, at the staff overall, you know, Saban's probably sitting in a meeting every year uh, with his assistant head coach or whoever else or his AD and saying, you know, I need nines and tens for every single one of my coaches who's performing as a seven or, or as an eight. Can I get him to be a nine or a ten or do I got to cut him loose? And bring him Without a else? doubt. And that's why he's the best in the business. There's no question. You cannot be a weak link in Nick Saban's football program. There's, there's no such thing. Every single element of that operation is rock solid. And if it's not, you're out the door. And he's got, reinfor- he's got reinforcements for the reinforcements. He, he hires all these, all these guys, all these coaches that are out of work. He hires them as analysts just to sit around and, 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 and help with projects and stuff. He's got a Heisman house of, of, of analysts. Uh, I know. Place, right? in, in <laughs> I know. But that's why he's the best in the Manny, business. But couldn't Manny really do the same? Couldn't he still run his operation no. with the level of professionalism that, that no. Nick does? No. He, here's he why. All the resources? It, it's not even about resources. It's, it's like the, the top-tier guys – are, they'll go. They'll go work for Nick Saban for a year or two, because they know it's going to lead to something. I mean, Dan Enos went to work for Nick Saban for a year as quarterbacks coach. It led to him getting the coordinator job at Miami, yeah, and a huge which, pay- which is which is and a huge payday, 
which is better than where he was. Mario Cristobal, he'll leave Al Golden's failing coaching staff at Miami to go be the offensive line coach for Nick Saban because he's going to have the resources to, to, to recruit at the, at the top level. He's going to have the, the stage and not just in the state of Florida. I mean, Mario went to New Jersey and recruited Minka Fitzpatrick. He went all across America recruiting offensive linemen. He was named the nation's top recruiter one year in Alabama. He was named the nation's top offensive line coach at Alabama. What did it lead to? He went out west to Oregon for a year to expose himself to the Pac-12 and within one year got himself a head coaching job. Right, so I, I understand the argument. Right? So, but, but here's my point. My, my point, my, my, just to finish, my point in giving those examples are that, you know, that's what you get when you go to work for Nick Saban if you're a top-shelf coach. You don't get that going to work for Manny Diaz. Um, and in that Gary, I agree. I don't think Manny – Yeah, I mean, I'm not being disrespectful of Manny in any way. It's just a fact of life. And that's why you see, um, you know, guys, guys like Butch Jones and Major Applewhite, if they're choosing a place to go be an analyst, that's where they're going. So let's just say they're going to not be an analyst. They're going to be no line coach or coach receivers or tight ends or linebackers or whatever. At what point do people, because we've talked about this many times, at what point do people stop saying, I'm better than this guy, I'm now willing to go work for him because I believe in him and I think he's going to do something? Or will, or will they really not do that until we are well, a top 10 year-in, year-out team and we're just going to have to overpay along the way? That's exactly that's the, that's, the, that's the only way you overcome that. Look at what Clem, look how Clemson, that's how Clemson did it. I mean, Clemson went out and bought Dabo Swinney, Brent Venables, Okay. Right. Maybe After the losing, maybe seventy seven points in the bowl game that year. Yeah. Before? So so what did they do? They went out and bought the best defensive coordinator probably in college football, right? Or one of the one of the top couple best. Okay. Yeah, he's our generation's Bud Foster, it seems. Right. Yeah. So they went out and bought him for Davos Swinney. Okay. And then they went out and bought him offensive coordinators. And then they took when they saw the formula starting to work a little bit, now they carried it over to the whole coaching staff and, and, and made sure that they were hiring super high-quality dudes at pretty much every position. Now Clemson's got one of the best staffs in the country. They recruit like maniacs. Dabo Swinney's the highest-paid coach in college football, and they've won two national titles. So it's another example of a Nick Saban-like formula. Follow the formula. It's like, uh, what's the old adage? Uh, any problem can be fixed if you throw enough money at it. Throw enough money at it. Well, get high octane people that believe and, and, and go, right, under a common cause. Yeah, but now in fairness to Blake, I mean, he's trying to give Manny the resources he can. I mean, he gave him the money to get Enos. Well, where do you think Manny would have been with offensive coordinator-wise if Blake didn't give him the money to get, Annie, get Enos? There was no, I don't know who was next, like, like <laughs> who the next choice would have been. Yeah. You know, you know, so, I mean, Blake, to his credit, I mean, he gave Manny, he's trying to, you know, I mean, Manny doesn't need a high-priced defensive coordinator because Manny's not looking to bring in a guy that's going to tell him what to do on defense. No, that's Manny a, needs that, a you, professional SEC or Clemson-level recruiting operation. And I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm surprised 
that I keep seeing recruiting comments from Manny of we want people that are going to you know fit our mentality. We want people that know what it means to be a Miami Hurricane. We want he's saying the things that you can say when you've built a program that's operating at a high level and you get to be really choosy. Right now, he's just got to go get dudes and do and say whatever he's got to do to get them, overturn every stone, have eight analysts all making $50,000 a year just living and breathing and dying in Excel spreadsheets and algorithms based on performance in high school stats. Why are we not doing these things, Gary? I mean, does he not see it? Is no one there telling him this is what it's done? I mean, we're what? fans and we know. Come on. What would make you think that he like? When has he ever been like? He, that's you have to be around it to understand. I mean, they, they I mean, I Mac Brown always had a reputation as one of the better recruiters in the country. I don't know what kind of operation he ran at Texas. I'm not. I just. I'm just not familiar with it. Mm-hmm. But you know, recruiting has never been Manny's, you know, calling card. But it's his job now. He can't afford for it not to be his calling card. Well, I yeah, I every coach you can. I understand, but you know, I mean, I don't see that in place. By not even not even in the furthest stretch of the imagination, I, I would say that the recruiting operation now is not. Even in the in the ballpark of like what Butch Davis was was doing, or you know, I mean, what about what about Mark Rick, Gary? I mean, Mark Rick brought in top five, top ten recruiting classes in Georgia for ten straight years. At some point, they had to have gotten pretty darn good at it, right? Mark Rick comes mm-hmm. in, professionalizes our operation. Admittedly, he didn't have the fan base and the amount of money he probably had at Georgia, which I live in Atlanta. I can tell you is effectively li- it's you know without limit, but. He had to have at least know what the process is, even if he couldn't effectuate it. And, and likely, I would hope, you know, teach it to his defensive coordinator, his offensive coordinator, because his success was dependent on it, right? Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Yeah. So, I mean, that's two examples, maybe not of the best recruiters, but probably pretty darn good recruiters, or at least experienced recruiters that know what it takes to succeed at the highest level. I remember the Mac Brown years in the middle 2000s, 2005, 6, 7, they had a top five recruiting class locked up every year uh, in August and September. <laughs> remember? They were always known for having their recruiting classes locked up, and no one defected. I get it. We're not recruiting Texas kids. It's a little different. We're recruiting South Florida kids. They're terrible. I get it. We're in the social media age. Facebook didn't even exist back in those days. Things have changed. But at some point, you've got to say, hey, even just if I don't know how to do it today or, or, or I don't know exactly how to do it in, in 2019, I know that it's incredibly important to having success. And the star systems, whatever you want to say, but at some point you got to say, if I'm not going up against the guys that Alabama and Clemson are going for, then maybe I'm not doing something right. Because how am I going to catch them? Remember how people used to just the well, second Miami would offer somebody, there were 20 offers coming in to that kid from everywhere else because they trusted our evaluations, maybe it's time we take some of that medicine. There's not one kid. I don't, I don't believe there's one kid in this recruiting class on the commit list right now that Miami had to beat any of those top schools in college football for. 
Don it, Chaney like, would have been, but he happens to love Miami, right? He yeah, Don, you're right. Don Chaney, Don Chaney, the George. You're right. You're absolutely right. I'm sorry. Georgia wants Don Chaney. Georgia would take Don Chaney, no question. So you're right. right. He, he, but he loves Miami. He's probably about the only one. I mean, Chance Williams maybe could go to a decent, you know, a decent school. Um, you know, I'll, I'll throw him in there. Somebody. Huh? At what point does that become alarming to somebody? I, I've been having you heard me sounding the alarm for the last three months. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm, 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 I mean, like you, you think that that. That that I'm endearing myself to anybody? Like I'm I'm like oh, I'm like ringing the bells like I mean like like crazy like I don't see I see a top tier out there that everyone's battling for and we are recruiting in the next you know, there's a line and we're recruiting in the next in the next like you could divide it into thirds like or you know let's divide it into quarters a quarter a quarter a quarter a quarter a quarter the top twenty five percent that first quarter you could put a line there. Like we're not even fishing in those waters. That's right. Okay, and 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 uh, like to me, like I find that unbelievable. Like and 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 you know what? It's like uh, the, I I understand the reason for it because we probably don't feel that we're going to win those battles. You know, you got Justin Flo, okay, uh, Steve Field, the tight ends coach. He was actually out at Oregon. Um with Mario. He was, he was Mario's recruiting coordinator. Um, he's got, for, for family purposes, I'm not going to get into it. It's his personal business needed to come back East. So right before he came here down to Miami, he took a job at Louisville for a brief time. Um, right. but he was, there but while he was out there, while he was out there, right. While he was out there, exactly. While he was out there working for Mario at Oregon, he developed relationships with, a couple, some of the, with the, the, all the five-star kids that are out on the West Coast. So he had a relationship with Justin Flo, best linebacker in the country, who's, who he actually has visiting this weekend to Miami. Amazing job. Right. I mean, this kid can go anywhere. Uh, probably going to end up at Clemson, but he can go to he can go anywhere. Clemson, Georgia, wherever he wants. I mean, this kid is unbelievable. He'd be a three-year starter here, day one, alongside Sam. Three, Jones and Zach yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. No, he starts day one. This kid's unbelievable. Right. I, I mean, I've seen him. Right. I've seen him in person at the Rivals Five Star Challenge last summer. Kid's unbelievable. I mean, amazing attitude. Uh, plays as hard as can. I mean, he's got everything. Okay. Um, Steve Field, because he had relationship with this kid, has got him interested in, in visiting Miami. Now, is it a celebrity visit, a vacation? At this point, with us sitting here at five and four and having the problems we're having, probably. I mean, this kid can go anywhere he wants. But Steve Fields done a great job getting that kid to visit. My question is this, okay? Why aren't we seeing that level of recruiting from everybody in the from everybody in the building? Why is there one guy who's capable of doing that? And 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 if he didn't have those pre-existing relationships he might not he probably wouldn't might not even be capable of it um and we'll see if washington the tight end from vegas uh visits later in the in in the process here um but my point is he's done a great job and what i'm saying is that should be the standard like and and yeah i've been you've you've heard me sounding the alarm because i'm not seeing that at all and 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 i'm seeing the opposite 
and I'm seeing the even the back off, you know, office operation getting getting outmaneuvered for like just on simple things like sending kids birthday cards, making sure kids are invited early enough sitting in the where they're, for the Florida game. to where they're sitting <laughs> in the damn Miami section. Correct. Not sitting in the Florida right. section, getting solidified to commit to Florida, which that kid did that weekend. He silently committed to Florida and then publicly committed a few weeks later. They so they solidified the kid. The, I, I personally saw the kid on Miami's campus three, four times this summer. I mean, I don't believe he drives down from North Dade to Coral Gables and spends three, four hours if he's not at least considering coming there. Right, right. How does he end up in the damn Florida section in Orlando? Like, that's that's called losing, man. And I'm sorry, and I know I'm tough sometimes, but, like, that is not good enough. And and, and, I, would, and I would have no problem having this conversation with Manny, so I'm not being a hypocrite. If Manny ever wanted to, you know, have a, a recruiting conversation, I would have this. I would say the same thing. Like to me, like that is not, that's not good enough. Okay, and and that's right. called losing. That's called winning eight games instead of ten games. And so that brings up the, the two things, right? It, one of the, the first of all, as far as recruiting across the board, it's like when you apply to college, you apply to one reach school a bunch of schools you'd really like to go to, and then a couple of safety schools, right? I feel like with, with, with recruiting, we aren't applying. We aren't recruiting any reach kids at every position. We're just recruiting some kids we want and a lot of safety school kids, right? The kids we know we're going to get, three-star guys, where they're going to come in. Hopefully, they're going to work hard. And by the fourth year, they're going to be a good to maybe a couple of times a very good player. That just doesn't cut it. That's not Miami football. You want to do that, go to Virginia, on the other side of what I'm seeing, which is concerning, that sort of to wrap this all up here, because I know it's sort of going on and on, and we could talk recruiting for hours, but at the end of the day, Manny seems to be under the, the belief that if he just wins with what he's got, the kids will want to start coming on their own, that winning is enough. And maybe it was enough 10, 15 years ago, but with these kids today, particularly South Florida kids, it's not enough. It's birthday cards. But but here's right? the problem: if you don't if you don't get elite players, you can't win the way you're talking about. Right. Like you could you right. can do what happened in 2017 and get some breaks during the course of the season, and you're sitting there 10 and 0, um, and, a, and a fraudulent number two team in the country. But then you lost your last three. <laughs> you got to sell a vision. You can't sell a fluke year and say that's who we are now. You got to sell a vision for who we're going to be. And you got to believe it. And your recruiter, your, your, your assistant coaches have to be of the same mindset, saying the same things to all the same people every different way. Text messages at 6 in the morning, to your point. But we're not doing it. And, and I love Manny to death. I'd love for him to become the next Nick, next Nick, Nick Saban, right, selfishly and unselfishly. Every, every, all of us would. Everybody wants he that. would. And I think he's actually a decent coach, and I think he's actually going to become a pretty damn good head coach. But on the recruiting side, someone somewhere has got to pull him aside and say, Manny, you're an alpha. You're a dog. Okay, you run this thing the way you're supposed to run it, but you are recruiting like someone's side piece. you got to step up and take control of the family, brother. And that's what I'm not seeing, and I'm not seeing him identify it and say we're going to do it. He's always talking about how can we get better, how can we get better. Well, dude, all the other stuff is, is a, of a second, tertiary, or quaternary priority. This is your primary priority. Until you get horses in your stable, you're not going to win but more than one or two races a season, and you're playing 12. 
That's my concern. And I was hoping you were going to give me some glimmer of hope about no, I mean, back office conversation where you see something changing, you see something going on, or he knows it and he's working on it or something, but I'm not hearing it. <laughs> so, no, I mean, I, 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 I saw a guy named Matt Dougherty get fired and replaced by a guy named Andy Vaughn, who to me isn't 50% of the talent that Matt Dougherty was. So like, I don't know, like I, to my eye, there's, there's been no progress at all. I think they've taken got rid a of your best recruiter because he was an offensive coach. You threw you threw the baby out with the bathwater with that tight end coach we had last. Well, year. Hartley, you know, say. Hartley was running recruiting Hartley. at Georgia for Rick. Rick brought him down here. He wanted to be a position coach and gave him the the tight ends job. Um, and he went. And but got, Hartley was a very uh, very had a very good Mallory. knack to recruit, huh? Yeah, and he got Brevin Jordan and Will Mallory. I think I know we needed to clean house because the offense was abysmal. We needed to send a message. We you know, there was signaling we needed to do, and we needed to just get better. But I think with Hartley, he was just too good of a recruiter. I think he threw the baby out with the bathwater on that one. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, all right. I'll, I'll let you go. All right, man. Hey, time. great call. Thanks, thanks for being part of the show. Let's go to the uh, 336. Good yeah, calls tonight, man. I know I'm letting guys tonight, go on a little bit, but the, uh, the, calls bit, the, uh, the calls have been good. All right, 336, we got to do something about your sound. We got to do something about your sound. So, I. <laughs> Can you turn that down? Can you turn that down? Yeah, get, get that together, and I'll give you another shot in a minute. Let's go to 904. You're on Kane Sport Live. Gear, how you doing? Yes, doing great. Who's this? That's Antoine from, from, from uh, Jacksonville. How you doing, man? Hey, what's up, man? A lot of guys in Jacksonville calling in tonight. Yeah, man. You know, because we, 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 we in the heart of uh, Gatorland and Florida State land, and everybody quiet, and, you know, they, they don't really want to talk about it. But it's all good. <laughs> Um, I wanted to tell you something. Remember when you was arguing with your man earlier, man? He told Which one? You the people was gonna call. Uh, the guy was. Oh, Ross. Yeah, that. yeah, Ross. You were saying. Yeah, Ross. 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 When he you tried to saying? say that I said Patchen was better and that's should be starting that's over Russo and Garvin and Hill. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Listen. When the, yeah. the season first started and we played Florida after the game, Russo got in and got a, a sack and almost got another sack. And, and you did, you, you did, you said that Patchen was gonna was was gonna play more in that game because Florida was a more run heavy team, and Patchen sets the edge or is better in the run game than Rousseau. So yes, in that game, you at the beginning of the season, you did say that Patchen should have been starting over Rousseau. You said it. I'm not I'm I'm not even gonna go back into it, but you did say it. I I, I don't agree with everything Ross said, but that one he was right about that. I remember that one. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go into All right, but here's, he, but here, here's the thing. I don't know that I commented on starting or whatever, but I, what, I, what I probably commented on before the Florida game was the fact that Florida did like to run the ball. And no. Russo was having the, – the, the thing that was holding Russo back in training camp was run defense. He's always been able to get, okay. you know, get, to the, get to the quarterback. Run defense was holding him back. But there is no question – from going back to last year that he was the most going to be the most elite player in this program. There's not even a close second. I don't even think Brevin, okay. I mean, I'm giving Brevin Jordan the benefit of the doubt. I, I don't, I mean, I think Brevin Jordan's a very good player. I don't think he's close to the eliteness of uh, Greg Russo. That's my opinion. I, I know. No, okay. I'm, I'm going to tell it to you like this. Uh, Russo is a top five talent in the draft. 
uh, Brevin Jordan is an a uh, first round draft pick in the NFL. So he, you're saying uh, he is? Th- you, he yeah, is or is I'm, not? He is. I'm gonna say it to you. I right think it's gonna be close. I, I think it's gonna be close. I, 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 I think Rousseau. You're saying elite. Rousseau is the elite of the elite. If you go in the first round or at the top of the second round of the NFL draft, you are an elite player. NFL yeah, well, Russo, I think, is going to go at the top of the first round. No, no, I, no I, that's what I'm saying. No, no. Yeah. I believe that Brevin Jordan is elite, but it is, there's a different I – th- I believe that Russo, if you're saying he's elite, then the other one is elite, elite. Because top five is franchise game, uh, 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 franchise changing player. Brevin Jordan is going to be a top uh, first-round draft pick. If he's not first round, he's going to be at the top of the second round, like 33 right there. So he's an elite player. But Rousseau is just a, a, a top five player. Most schools don't have but one of those on the roster, period. So you can't really say you're going to have that many. What, what we did with Sean Taylor and, and uh, uh, DJ, what was Sean Taylor when we had uh, – Kellen yeah, you, 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 I mean, was, you think it's not like, po- if you think it's not possible, that's, that's just not true. I mean, it's been proven by by Nobody. Miami many times, and it's been, it's being proven by other schools now. No, I mean, Alabama has put me, has put in players in the draft. They weren't all pro, all NFL Hall of Fame players. They're first round players, but they're not the players that we put in the draft. Like you can put a lot of first round guys in. But the guys that we put in were literally all—they were all pro uh, Hall of Fame players. Yeah, no, and and, and 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 they recruit one after the other. Like, like, let's talk Alabama for a minute, okay? They okay. go from Amari Cooper to Calvin Ridley to Jerry Judy, okay? Quarterback. Um, they had Jalen Hurts, who might win the Heisman Trophy this year for Oklahoma. Um, you know, he's in the running, but they recruited better in Tua. Like, that's how you run a program. Like, and that's why I said earlier tonight, like, to me, the standard in recruiting right now should be, is the kid we are recruiting better than what we're playing with? Is Don Chaney better than DJ Dallas? Might be. You know, he, he, he's got a chance if he, if he can develop the, the toughness. You know, is Dominic Mamarelli better than um, Brevin Jordan and Will Mallory? I'm not sure if he is or not. You know, uh, you know, I don't know, but that to me, like, that's got to be the standard is Jalen Rivers better than Zion Nelson could be. But like, to me, that's got to be the, that, that's got to be the standard that you're evaluating from to me as a baseline. That's just my opinion. And you're you're right. And I agree with you there. Um, I'm just, what I was saying was that you don't get many great Russo's like you can, you can, you, you you could draw him up in a lab. That's literally what you draw up yeah, but in you, a lab. But you can as, but you can recruit as, as somebody else that's got his can. type of ability. We, we 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 have we have good we have good players, but that guy doesn't come along. But every so many years, but Brevin Jordan, like I said, Brevin Jordan and Will Matter to a lesser degree, they're good players. Now you do. All have right, to have well, a lot can I stop players. you for one minute? Can I stop you for a minute? Yeah, just to show yeah. just to show you. Okay, Ohio State had Joey Bosa go number one in the draft, right? Yes. Who'd they yes. replace him with? Probably Chase brother. Young. Ch- Chase Young, right? Okay. 
But who did they have See, before that? No, no. Well, they had his brother. They had his brother before Joey. But I'm just saying. Okay. I'm just saying it's it's not like it's impossible. Like it's not yeah, like no, Greg it's, Rose. It's not, it's, it's, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. But to hit on a player that that's that's Ohio State is on another level as far as recruiting because we know what they do. We know they come down here. They go to other places. And they drop bags, Gary. I'm going to be honest with you, man. They drop bags. These schools are dropping bags. This went all the way back to to, 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 Dwayne, uh, to, to was Dwayne Bowe and Patrick Peterson. Man, this go back a long time. These schools have been dropping bags to South Florida for a long time. And all right. You know, so so do you think we, you think Miami dropped the bag for Greg Rousseau? No. No, they just they just unearthed. How did they find? How did they? How did they recruit that, and find Greg Rousseau? That was, what did they? Was, what did they do? That was that was Butch Davis scouting and, and, and scouting. That's what that okay, was. Okay, thank you, because, thank you. That's my point. That's my point. Yeah, you just made my point. You just you just put a, you just put eight exclamation points on my point. But this, which which I, is okay, which okay, is okay, now why can't that be that why can't that be the norm? Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, I'm, I'm don't you think it? Don't you think it was? The, do you think Butch Davis was dropping bags all over the place when he no, assembled no, the no, best? No. I, I, when he assembled the best roster in college football history? No, no, do you no. Think he, I didn't say you he think was. he dropped bags on all those guys? No, he did not. But this is the thing. This is the thing. For every Greg Rousseau that's a two-star, borderline three-star player that we got, you got Greg Rousseau and you got. Uh, the knucklehead that just uh, out of the NFL, out of South Florida. What's the boy's name? Uh, played for the Steelers, the wide receiver. Um, uh, the boy that uh, is it Antonio Brown? Well, no, Antonio Brown. He's not playing Antonio for the Steelers Brown. anymore. But no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Listen, but listen, that's but listen. You got that was an elite guy that came out of South Florida who was low, low, low ranked and nobody really knew. That and nobody evaluated. Person. Nobody nobody okay, got him. How about okay, T. Y. Hilton? Okay. How about T. Y. Hilton okay. that went to FIU? Okay. But T. Y. Hilton isn't Greg Rousseau. They're not he's not Greg Rousseau. You, he's like, not Greg Rousseau, Rousseau but what is guy. what's he going on? It's like seventh year in the National Football League now? You you can do it, Gary. You can do it. I know but you can. So many players, you can do it. I'll but you gotta have the expertise in the building, don't you? We don't I, – I was the guy that called you and told you that we should literally put 10 guys inside a black room and not let them out for food or else and have them scout all in it, all linemen all across the country. That was that yeah, but they, but, I, but, but, I know, but they got to know what they're looking for too. They gotta, you got to have the expertise. You, you, you got you to gotta have the expertise. Like I said, there's, there's, there's guys that, that have a knack for it and there's guys that don't have a knack. We don't seem to have a lot of guys that have a knack for it. I believe Enos. I, now, this is what I want to tell you. I believe Enos is uh, uh, a good quarterback um, developer, and I believe he's good as far as the technical parts of playing quarterback. Um, but as far as being an elite offensive coordinator, I don't think he is that, and I'm gonna tell you why. I called you earlier in the season, and we talked, and I said I don't think that he's. A, I don't think he can, he, he's a good play caller. He doesn't have a feel for the game. Remember we had that conversation? I said he doesn't have a feel for the game. You can see the fact that he doesn't have a feel for what the next play should be. I mean, he, he calls plays, and he – Jaron Nicole, and Nicole have gotten much better in the, the technical points of, you know, playing quarterback, their drops, their footworks, their delivery. He's, he's, he's coached them up well on that. But as far as calling plays – on the hoof, 
in a particular situation, he's not good at that. That's not his thing. Everybody doesn't have that. He's not good at that. But I did see him make an adjustment that was key in that game, and I don't think anybody, most people won't notice it. We went, Jaron is the best quarterback we have, but he doesn't have the best feet, for lack of a better way to say it. He's, he's, he's sluggish in his drops, and he doesn't, his footwork isn't the best because I believe he's, he's kind of heavy-legged, if, if, if you know what I'm saying. He's not, he doesn't have quick feet. Tate has quick feet, but he can't throw work for them. Jaron has uh, elite arm, uh, elite, elite throwing ability, but he has horrible feet. If we could have put Tate's feet on Jaron, then we have a high the quarterback. Okay, I'm going to go back. So what he, the adjustment Enos made was instead of having Jaron get up on the center and have to take that nine, seven step, maybe nine step drop on a deeper route, with his footwork, he, it takes him a while to get back there. He put him in the pistol. And when he put him in the pistol, he only had to take two or three, maybe four steps. It changed everything, and it allowed Jaron to see things and get the ball down the field where he wouldn't have to go through the entire footwork, uh, the step process of, of getting to his read. I noticed that in that game. If you look at it, look at look at us at the beginning of the year and look at the game against Florida State, and you'll say, yeah, we were in the pistol. And I think I think one of our big, the big play to Wiggins, it came out of that formation. It's much better for him in that. It's much better for him to have him, you know, not be up on the center with his footwork. But Enos is not a good um, a play caller on the hoof as far as having a feel for the game. Not many guys are. So I can't really knock him for that, but our quarterbacks are more technically sound. Now, Manny, going to Manny, we hired a guy that has never been an elite-level recruiter. I don't understand how he becomes an elite-level recruiter if he just doesn't – that's just never been him. We recruited Shaq and Mike and Zach four years ago. Yeah, that was you Golden and D'Onofrio. Yeah, you're right. But you're right about that. But since many since, – since Mark Rick came in, since many been his coordinator, he's responsible for everybody that comes in. Am I wrong? Everybody mm-hmm. comes on the defensive side of the ball, that's his baby. Everybody that gets and an I- offer from the linebackers, the cornerbacks, the safeties, He's responsible. He's supposed to be. I mean, he if he's the defensive coordinator, he should have the say on who gets recruited. And, they, you know, he, he gets responsibility for Russo. He did a great job, you know, identifying Russo. Yeah, but Manny has not done a good job of stocking the shells with talent on that side of the ball. I he, agree. Other, the, the defensive line – no, wait a minute. Let me back up. The defensive line, yes. The defensive line – we got stud after stud after stud. Those three guys from uh, New York that's going this red shirt. I'm telling you, we're gonna have a good defensive line for a long time because of that. But, it, but well, hopefully, after, we haven't seen them do anything yet. Those guys are gonna be good. Those guys are gonna be good. I, I've seen some. I know some people. I know some people down in South Florida that you know may have a couple of ties to the program. Those guys are gonna be good. They're, they, they, they're gonna be good guys. But our defensive recruiting hasn't been. We, luckily, we got Bolden. Now he's out for the season. But behind Hall and Carter, who should be a linebacker, we got Hall and Knowles and Keontra Smith, a true freshman. Like, that's all we got. Then we got Bandy and Ivy and Blaze. Like, and then we got two true freshmen. 
we do, we haven't been recruiting on that side of the ball as far as stockpiling talent like you talked about. No. We haven't I been stockpiling talent. We, we, we uh, Gervin Hall, Gervin Hall looks like he's got a chance. You know, we'll see. Yeah. But that's but that's a Miami talent. That guy, Gervin Hall, should be every guy we recruit. Every guy we recruit in the defensive backfield at safety should be Gervin Hall. Like that should be our floor. We should recruit every guy to try to be that. But um, I, I agree, and and the guys you're recruiting now should you should be hoping are better than Gervin Hall. Yes, yes, I, yes. You, 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 you're right about that. You're right about that. I, I agree with you there. I, I just, I believe with it, we 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 have too many uh, guys on our staff that aren't good recruiters, and that's not a good thing here. I, and I'm gonna be honest with you. You posed the question. You posed the question early, and I heard you say it. You said if I had to drop, we we need to give somebody a play a game or drop a blueprint or what you need to do, come in to be an athletic director and build a football program here. Let me tell you something. If they gave me that job, if I gave them that job, the number one thing I would do is hire a thousand analysts, and I would hire guys. I would I would set up these these dummy corporations and foundations like all these schools, like the Clemsons and the Bamas, and and I I know Clemson do it. I know Clemson do it. I know Bama do it. I know Georgia do it. They set up these dummy foundations, and what these dummy foundations do is funnel jobs and money to these recruits. They do it here. They do it. And you know they do it, and they do it at an elite level. That's why these kids from South Florida, when Clemson went and winning Jack Nessie. How Clemson become a powerhouse overnight? You know what they did? They went and they got uh, they they went down to South Florida in the Fort Myers area, and they got Sammy Watkins, and they got CJ Spill out of uh, uh, the Columbia area. You see this stuff over the course of time, and you wonder how these guys went to that school. Clemson been dropping bags for a year. But for years, those defensive linemen that all could have went in the first round of the NFL draft, and they came back last year. Man, come on, man! If you're gonna get paid millions of dollars, why do you come back to Clemson unless you're getting financially compensated? Something, something going on. <laughs> now you know I'm right about it. Yeah. You know I right know there's a there's a there's a chance you're right. I mean, I don't we, oh, we I don't think you oh. or I know what what, but I think there's a yeah, decent chance yeah. you're right. I you know, I don't disagree. You know, in the age of social media, we, we have things. It used to be uh, in the world that the, the streets, people would, stuff would happen and we wouldn't be able to see it. I've seen so many kids commit to Clemson and be on Instagram and on Facebook flashing big wads of cash. Now, here, tell me where these kids from these uh, 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 low uh, poverty-ridden areas uh, in low, in low, low bad areas of town come up with Camaros and Chargers and big wads of money on Facebook. Where, where that money come from, yeah? Tell me. I see it. You know it's there. We, we we can't talk about it, but it's there. Now, I do believe Miami as an administration should put a lot more money in the football because if you look at it, Miami wouldn't be on the, at the forefront of, of any athletic, of, of athletics and college football if it wasn't for the football program. The football program is what's been writing the checks for years. We don't put enough money into football. I know we got a $1.5 million offense coordinator, but we didn't hire we didn't hire top-notch assistants at every single – we didn't hire them all over the place. We didn't do it. We didn't do it. And, and Blake saying – How do you know I'm it's because of money? Because I, I don't no, think it's no, because no, – no, I don't think no, money no, has no, anything no, – no, I don't think no, money no, has no, anything no, to do with it. 
I know it ain't because of money. I know it ain't because of money. Oh, no, no, it's not because of money. It's because they choose to spend money in other places. No, 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 we got money. Because that Adidas contract wasn't nothing to scoff at. We got a lot of money from Adidas. We get a lot of money from the ACC. We get a lot of money from donors. We got money. We got money to pay people on a level of every other school, but we don't do it. We don't invest back into the program the way we should. Florida, Florida State don't make nearly the amount of money that Alabama did. But, you know, last year I looked it up. Florida State spent the second amount, most amount of money in the football program of any school in the country. They don't make nowhere near the Alabamas and Texas of the world. But they, they spent the second, second most amount of money because they want to win. I'm going to leave you with that, Gary. I'm going to leave you All right, man. Hey, great call. Thanks for being part of the show. Thank you, man. Have a good one. All right. Let's go to the uh, 541. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How are you doing? Doing great. Who's this? This is Eric from uh, Eugene, Oregon. What's up, Eric? From Eugene, Oregon, huh? Yes, sir. I get to watch, which which I believe should have been our coach on a different sideline, but, you know. They're pretty. Here, they're pretty happy with them out there, huh? Uh, you, I mean, every time I go to work, they're always raving about him and how his attitude is starting to reflect on a team that they never seen before. Because you know, Oregon always played with speed and finesse. Now they got a power game. It's kind of different for toughness out here. To kind of yeah, a lot of toughness, a lot of attitude. And I would. I just wish you know Miami can get back to that type of you know. Uh, hopefully, sometimes I, I watch the play. I watch the players on the sidelines, and I just, you know, when, when I'm watching the game on TV, I see a player on the sidelines. Just some are just sitting there, not caring I, when they are losing, or you know, I just don't see that fire. You know, I don't see no one getting up, getting in each other's faces, and nothing to kind of spark that. But I see, you know, I see that in the Oregon sideline all the time. So mm-hmm. there's definitely mm-hmm. a difference in attitude, most likely. And I just want to say, mm-hmm. we really need to look at, you know. I never want someone to lose their job, but we do need to get some recruiters on the program because we really got stuff about recruiting game. I think the caller before, when y'all had a long conversation about recruiting, you know, he hit the uh, nail on the hammer. We got to start, you know, getting those top-notch players. You know, we got to start competing. We, we got to start with the coaches competing for players, and then the players will compete on the field. That's how I believe. <sighs> what else all right. What else you got? I appreciate but that's all I had, you know. A lot of it's hard getting on last because a lot of people are, you know, kind of take your topic, <laughs> and I don't want to, you know, be the yeah, not not a problem at uh, all. No, we appreciate you calling in, and if uh, you know you see Mario at the uh, at the gas station up there or something, um, uh, please make sure you just it's, it's, make sure make sure you pick make sure you pick funny. up his t- uh, no. pick up the tab for him and tell him you know that this is this is from Gary, okay? And then uh, and well, then I'll it's uh, kind of funny, my, one of my clients. Because her, her daughter babysits his kids, so they go to the same church. So <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, if you get a chance to do something nice it. for him, do it, and then I'll I'll reimburse you. All right. That's my All boy. Right, I will. I will. I'm a, I'm a big All believer right. in that guy. I think he's great. All right, man. All right, man. Thanks for being part of the I show. I wanted him to be our head coach just like everyone else, but we got to support Manny. All right. You got it. All right. Great. Thanks, man. Thanks for being part of the show. Let's go to the uh, 786. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How are you? Doing great. Who's this? Uh, this is Flex uh, here in Miami. Uh, I'll talk to hey, you a while. Hey, what's up, Flex? Uh, yeah, in the, in the past. Gary, um, uh, you made an interesting statement a couple of weeks ago 
when uh, you were talking about Blake James and you said that Blake thought that you were riling up the fan base. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I laugh. He he does. He says that to me every now and then. I'm like Blake. You but got he, no idea. But, it's like it's like no, I but, don't rile them up. They rile me up. <laughs> but but here's the thing. The reason I'm bringing that up is because this, Gary. The reason he said that is because he understands that because you've been around the program so long, because you run a good uh, cane sport outlet, um, he understands that your your voice does impact and influence some of the base. That's just a fact. And it's like that in every in every uh, uh, big-time college football program. There's always someone that runs a similar uh, outfit like Kane Sport, like in Georgia, it's a dog nation. In Florida, they have Florida has theirs, so forth and so on. And I'm saying that to say this, Gary, you, I'm going to put, and all of us that call and support your show, and I've been supporting you for a very long time, we need to put more pressure on you because you need to put more pressure indirectly or directly on the administration. Because, Gary, the position that you're in, you do affect, to, I don't know to what degree, but you do affect things at that program. Because, understand, we, we, we the fans, we support the program. I'm going to the game this week. I, bought, I, I'm a, I'm a, I, I buy three season tickets every year. I just purchased an, an additional seven to go out and support the last home game. Um, and and we should have say so in this program. But when you sit, Gary, and you continually blame it on the recruiting and the players, I think that's wrong. Because I'll ask you a question like this, Gary: Who's coaching Baylor? Okay, Who's wait, 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 Minnesota? wait. Let me let me stop you for a minute. Okay, what have what have you heard me blame on the players? Like I don't I don't blame the play. I, you know they're kids, man. I don't okay, so like let, you, okay, don't, so you don't you you know. Let me answer. I don't I'll even answer. right now. I don't even I don't even blame Manny. Like I, Manny, anybody. Anybody listen? No, no, wait. Let me let me let me just qualify what you're saying. I'll let you continue because I don't totally disagree with what you're saying. But and I try to treat what we do at Kane Sport very responsibly. Um, our preference is to be 100% positive about every single thing in the program. There is nothing but we would love more than to be, wait, wait, let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. I'll let you talk. Um, there's nothing we would love more than to say everything is fantastic all the time. However, if, if I see things like what's going on in recruiting right now that, that, that I don't think is good enough, I, I owe it to you guys that are coming on, listening to our show, subscribing to our website, I owe it to you guys to be 100% honest, and, and that's what I am. And, and okay. you know, people, under, people understand that. I mean, I, you know, I, I had a convers- I've had a conversation about that, you know, with, with, you know with, with pretty much almost everybody that's been coached here, and most of them I'm still friends with to this day. And, and, and everything that I say is not always popular. I mean, I just, I've been doing and this for 40 years. I try to use my expertise. But, here, but, here, but, here, but here's the point that I'm making. I don't ever blame players for anything. Like, you know, like they're kids playing a game. You know, I, and in yeah, in this I, situation, I don't blame I don't blame, I don't blame Manny either. My, the way I look at Manny is Manny's a guy that coached for 20 years. He was a coordinator for 20 years. He came to Miami and he gave Miami the best Manny that has ever existed. And he did exactly what he was brought here to do. He changed the defense. Blah 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 blah. He is a a, a, a middle aged guy now 
trying to have the best career he can have, and he had an oh opportunity God. to be a head coach. Okay, and 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 he went for it yeah. with every ounce of zeal in his body, and you know what? He got Blake James to give it to him. So, you, do you blame yeah. Manny for that? Of course, you have to blame Gary. The blame has to be, and that's the problem. Everything you just said, and, I, and man, I wish so. I wish you would open up the message board, and and all of your all of your uh, participants that are listening, they would agree with me a hundred percent. Gary, you have to lay the blame somewhere. Stop being Mr. Nice Guy. Your microphone and your influence is too big for you to be pussyfooting around things. Because don't you think I laid the blame on Blake James? No, you, you don't think I've you don't think no, I've done that no, in the in the last month. No, you, no, you don't. I you created don't the hashtag. Don't blame Manny. This is this is this is all on Blake. Okay. It, it's a hundred percent on Blake. It's, it's on. Okay, it's a hundred percent on Blake. It's a hundred percent on the. You should even go further up to the administration. Football in today's great game, and you know this. If it's not from the top down, it's very difficult to win. In yeah, football. well, I've, so I've blamed them you, too. Did I blame the administration? I've, I've never. Who who was checking no, Blake? No. Who was? Let me ask something. On December the thirtieth, let me I ask a question. You to ask, I want you to ask all. I want you to ask the next three or four callers that call in. Do they think that you've laid the blame directly on who it should be laid on the way you should with the microphone? It's it's and Blake and the people above him. It, lay it on him, Gary, because it's their if Ma- if Manny is two, not good enough, two. it's on Blake and the people above him. It's not Manny's two, fault. Two, but you are two two. The reason we're losing is not because of recruiting. The reason we're losing is because we haven't hit on a coach yet. And that's why I just brought up, I tried to bring it all together and ask you about the coach at Minnesota and the coach at Baylor. Those recruiting efforts out there, those guys are ranked in the 40s. But each one of them are 8-0 and 9-0 and respectively. And every year there are four or five coaches like that that do that with programs. At the University of Miami, playing in the Coastal Division, with the talent that we have been getting, even though the recruiting has not been what we want it to be, we still should be winning the Coastal every year. But you know why we're not? Because Al Golden was a piece of shit. Randy Shannon was. Al, uh, who's after him? Mark, Mark Rick was a piece of shit. And now this guy here, Manny, from what I'm seeing so far, he's, he's – when I say – and I don't mean piece of shit, and I'm sorry for using that language, but, but they're not good enough. And man, it's, a, it's, it's internet, it's internet radio. You can, you can do it. But, but let me, can I okay. stop you for one second Manny, real quick? I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be the same thing, Gary. And, 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 and what I'm saying is stop talking so much about recruiting and start talking more about coaching first, because every, because co- recruiting is coaching. Recruiting okay. Is but coaching. they, but they just hired a coach and gave him a five-year contract. So who, uh, to, who, who is they? The, the university of Miami. They hired Manny, and they gave him a five-year contract. So my focus at that point becomes what does Manny need to do to be successful until Manny is not successful. So Manny needs to be – Manny Manny and his staff has lost us three games this year, and I mean directly placed on coaching, directly, and I'll name them to you. Fourth and 18 at North Carolina, and you call a blitz on fourth and 18. You stop them on fourth and – that's just one play. We, it shouldn't have even been that close if you look at the talent. That's why I keep telling you, stop talking about the recruiting so much and talk about coaching. Focus on coach and, and lay it directly. Don't go around it. Di- coaching, coaching, coaching. Because coaching in that, if you want to talk about talent, we out-talent every team that we've played so far. We out-talent all of them. Except but Florida. We can't win because uh, even Florida. No. We can go man for man. Gary, you can go man for man right now with Florida, and I guarantee you, if we're not even, we're slightly ahead. 
you, just do it yourself. I've already did it. Man for man, position for position with the Florida Gators right now, they're going to win in some positions. I think at the end of the day, we will out-talent them. But, okay, let's just say, okay, I'll give you that, Florida. So now we're 8-1. and one. But you know why we're not 8-1 and one or 7-1? and one? Because we don't have coaches. We lost, we lost a Georgia Tech game on a damn fake punt that they, Florida had just run on us and changed the whole complexion of that game, and we didn't learn from it. You know why? We keep missing on coaches. Look at what uh, – uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, the guy from ba- from Baylor, Pete Flex in Minnesota, and the guy was Matt Rule that's at Baylor. Look at what these people are doing with half the talent that Miami has because they're good coaches. We're missing on coaching. We're missing on coaching, and we're missing on the right. administration not doing what the hell they should be doing. And Gary, my point to this, and I, and, I, and I'm going to tie it in, is that you, you with your microphone being as big as it is your influence being as much as it is because of the time and hard work that you put in at that university, you need to swing a bigger stick. All right, so if you were me, if you were me right now, wait a minute, if you were sitting in my chair right now, and I'm already on record, I've blamed Blake James for screwing up the coaching search. What are you talking about? I absolutely have, and I've done it over and over again, and I did it for an hour with him the other night, last week. Those were not softballs. You guys came up with the questions. They were not softballs. Are you are you kidding me? Softballs, Blake, can you own it if you made a mistake? Blake, why did you not do a national coaching search? How do you, how do you know how do you how do you hire a head coach without going through the process and seeing who's interested in the job and what their resume is and what they have to say? Like what are you talking about? When I go listen when I go listen to the same person that's at Alabama right now and at Georgia that's in your same position, like what I'm saying is the person that runs the biggest subscription at Georgia and at Alabama, right? Because you run yeah. the biggest one at University of Miami with Kane Sports. Those yep. same people, I'm going to record them one time when something bad happens at Alabama. I'm going to record them, or even or no, not, I'll take no, not Alabama because they give Saban an easy, you know, they go easy on Saban because you have to. He's won too much. But let's say at Georgia with Kirby Smart and at LSU with Ed Orgeron. When I listen to those people and then I listen to you, it's like night and day. And you guys have the same influence. Okay, if saying, you were in I'm my saying, seat, what would you say? If, if you were in my seat, right? Seat, if I was in your seat when you were with, with Al Golden, I, Gary, I almost. Forget about Al Golden. I'm talking about today. Today. I'm talking about, no, I'll, I'll bring, uh, today is the same thing, Gary. It's that when, when there's a problem, when there's an issue, instead of you directly pointing it out, laying the blame on directly where you should, you say things like this right here. We need better recruiting. Well, stop saying we and say, Manny Diaz, you need to hire some better coordinators, some better recruiters, or else you're going to be doomed. Or you didn't hear me. Blake you didn't hear me say that tonight. Hell We've no been talking about like that all night. This is this is what you say. You say it like this. This is what you say. You say, yeah, we need to, we need better recruiting efforts. We should have this, that, and the other. No, point that shit out. Point it right directly at them and say it. Put the blame, put the heat on their ass because <laughs> I think I've been saying it since since early September. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I mean, you you're not you're not you're not maybe you're yeah, not hearing what I'm saying. I've been saying it since early September, man. I mean, I, I I'm agreeing with you. I think what I think what you're saying is true. But I've I've been saying it since early September. Now let me just throw one other thing at you. I agree with you on Matt Rule. Matt Rule is doing an unbelievable job at. But, 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 but let me tell you something. Somebody's going to buy this whole Fleck thing here, 
And have you looked at who they've played at Minnesota? And, and what the score? And what the scores? Have you seen? Wait, God, you're not letting me say anything. Have you looked at? Yes or no? Have you looked at at Minnesota season? Yes. Okay. They start out with South Dakota State and win that game by a touchdown. Then they 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 win a three point game against Fresno State and a three point game against Georgia frickin' Southern. Okay. Just go those three. That's a team that's getting lucky. Okay, they won a seven-point game against Purdue. They beat Illinois really good. That was a big win. They beat the crap out of Nebraska. That was a big win. They beat the crap out of Rutgers, which is garbage. That was a big win, and they beat the crap out of Maryland. Their last five, four games have been sensational. But they could have lost easily two of those first four to our absolute garbage teams. So they're like us in 2017. They won won the close games. Go ahead. You're talking about – First of all, look at his trajectory. Look at first of all, look at his resume. He's doing look great. But would you want to come put him at Florida State or Miami right now? You damn right. I would have hired him. Gary. Look at his resume. Look at his look at his previous stop. Google PJ Fleck and look at every position that he's held and just read up on him. Gary. Look all right, at I will. Him. You're talking about I will. you're talking about Minnesota. First of all, I'll read up on him and then you call back next week and we'll talk about it more, okay? You, you're talking about Minnesota, though, Gary, so you can't just yeah. say those wins aren't nothing. You're talking about a, a program that doesn't re- – they recruit the same level that the p- people that they're beating. But they're beating – Yeah, I, I agree. Not, not even close to what Miami's recruiting. I agree. I'll hang up, Gary. Thanks, man. All right, man. <laughs> Thanks for being part of the show. Just know I agree with you. I understand what you're saying, but – for me to sit here and start trashing man, for me to sit here and start trashing Manny Diaz at this point is just stupidity. I mean, you know, Manny's in his first year as head coach. He was an ambitious guy that went out and got himself the best job he could, like anybody would, and I give him total credit for that. And you know, do I think personally he would have been better off going to Temple? And cutting his teeth as a head coach at Temple, yeah, I do feel that way. Um, but he got Blake to give him the job at Miami, and Miami's a hell of a lot better than Temple. So you'll see me using the hashtag "Don't blame Manny" for a while here. Um, and um, I, I do, I do think that Blake James should have done a more thorough job on that search, and that Miami should not be a lab experiment. I feel very strongly about that. Let's go to the two one zero. You're on Kane Sport Live. Two one zero, you with us? Going once, going twice. All right, let's go to seven zero six. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hey Gary, this is your boy Sebastian. I didn't know you had the show on tonight, man. I'm surprised I got on. You're I on, man. Sure it's been a yeah, it's been quite animated, man. Week. It's been a good show, a lot of man. passion, a lot of good calls uh, man, tonight. I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to listen to it, but first of all, just make a couple of good points. I mean, give it up to the Canes for representing Tallahassee, beating their arch rival. That's a huge game. Um, I mean, just if you just look at the difference between the two programs, which one is moving in a positive direction, which is in a negative direction. You saw that Sunday when Florida State let Tiger go. And they wasted absolutely no time. But here's what I fear. I fear Florida State went ahead and pulled the trigger because, you know, a program like that is an elite football program Mm -hmm. with all the advantages that can allow you to compete for, you know, winning national championships. And that's kind of like where Miami's at right now. 
And so are we going to get our act together? We've got a couple games to kind of close out the season. We can kind of close it out strong. But uh, I want to know your thoughts on a couple of areas that um, your last caller was kind of a little hard on you. <laughs> no, you know what? I understand, I understand what he's saying. I don't. I don't totally disagree with him. I get what he's saying, and and I I take my responsibility. You know, we've built built what you know, Kane Sports built over thirty years, and I and I do take the responsibility very seriously. I really do, and I I try okay. to know what I'm talking about. I try to do my homework and know what I'm talking about. But he but, thinks I'm but, supposed but to be randomly just trashing um, Manny Diaz here, and it's not Manny's fault. If there's a no, if there's a if there's a problem, it's Blake James's fault. Well, here's here's one of the things you you kind of help us with going forward throughout the season that you could be watching for is when you have a conversation with these coaches is you know Manny says address your issues. That's one of the things I remember he said in one of his comments. You need to address your issues. And you look at last year, we were horrible in the punting department. We went out and got a JUCO punter, and he's kind of like almost one of the MVPs of the year. Because we yeah, who did, who, who got him? Position. You know who? Do you know who recruited him? Who recruited him? Was that Manny? Todd Hartley. I don't know. Todd Hartley, wow. the same guy that recruited Brevin Jordan and Will Mallory. So, 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 so you see, you can see where our concern is then, right there, right? Because absolutely, you know, I mean, because what I mean by that is, I mean, you got to be bringing players into your program that's going to be like difference makers, and that guy is a difference maker. I mean. He hasn't had – I don't think he has had one bad punt this year. I don't think he's had, like, one, like, off the side of his foot, like, for 11 yards. Like, we were just having just so many of those last year. And I say all of that just to be able to say, when you have an opportunity to talk to some of these coaches, even if you don't have to do it where we can see it or whatnot, you have to be able to hold them accountable to say, look, you don't need to be bringing a Tommy Kennedy, a Juco, a, a, a transfer guy in your program that's not even – I mean, not even cracking the 3D. That's just, that's just, that's just, that's just unacceptable. I-